Welcome to Guys We Fucked. <laughs> guys We Fucked. Guys We Fucked. I'm Christina. I'm Corinne. We're sorry, sorry about, about last, last night. night. The anti-slut-shaming podcast. <laughs> I never stop. <laughs> hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Guys We Fucked. Sorry, we're just trash-talking somebody. Yeah. Um, don't worry. It was, <laughs> it's, a, it's, a, it's a person on TV, not a person in real life. So I yeah, think that makes, to, it, that makes it better. We don't have to feel bad for her. Uh, this is the anti-slut-shaming <laughs> podcast. You know, female positive. I'm Corinne. <laughs> I'm Christina. And you guys... I went to a show uh, this week called Adult Sex Ed by a woman that put together by a woman that Corinne and I used to work with, um, Danny Danny Leonard, and uh, it was a really great show. One of the facts that she had covered at the top of the show was about how very few states are required to have mac- uh, medically accurate information in their sex ed curriculum in public schools, and so I have an article about that for the news story. Only 13 states require sex ed to be medically accurate and half the country is pushing abstinence only which std rates have shown us is not exactly effective you dum-dums okay so this article is uh on vice and it talks about how a lot of the curriculums are pushing for abstinence only uh wait shit (laughs) in fact okay here we go this is i was like where's the part i highlighted Uh, 37 states insist that abstinence be part of the curriculum, and for 26 states, they mandate that classes must stress abstinence. The rest only say it must be covered. The role of abstinence in sex ed classes can be really damaging if not presented as just one of the many options open to students, says Laura Lindbergh from Guttmacher Institute. Putting too much emphasis on saying no and waiting for marriage can do more harm than good. Programs and policies that promote abstinence until marriage have repeatedly shown to be ineffective effective and actually harmful to young people Lindbergh says the programs are stigmatizing and some have been shown to have negative sexual impact and if they don't teach about contraception they're withholding medically important information and that can be very damaging and this goes Corinne and I um we mentioned this in the book fucked that we wrote being sexually explorative and self-confident in a world that's screwed oh yeah <clears throat> p.s that comes out in a paperback like Soon, soon, like in a Do you know the date? Week. Yeah, I, yeah, it's in okay. my calendar. <laughs> Our publisher's gonna kill us, Jesus. Um, but I will say, I wrote a chapter in this. New, we each wrote a new chapter, and um, I talk about something with the breakup that I haven't I t- said out loud uh, mm-hmm. on the podcast or to many people. Um, so there's a good plug for it because it is an interesting uh, part to the story that I haven't told yet. <laughs> well, yeah, and I added like a, a page or something as well. We, we added a little bonus content uh, and it has a new cover, so that's cool. Oh, yeah. Uh, it's, just, you know, it's different. It's cheaper. It's smaller. Whatever, if you want to light it on fire, <laughs> whatever you want to do. Uh, the, the date we have was Tuesday, January 29th, although that's so soon and we haven't even seen the like copies a- in real life. But we've seen, we saw PDFs of it. PDFs of the, t- of the cover. You hey. know, Whatever That's the date we were given It's But it's gonna, like It's literally Like they wanted it out Before Valentine's Day Was the thing Because you know Nothing says Valentine's Day Like a book about Two boyfriends That neither of us Are dating anymore <laughs> <laughs> It's a real It's a real modern love story Oh you guys Oh uh, Anyway uh, This I just wanted to cover This news story Because uh, Danny Leonard's uh, Show Adult Sex Ed Had mentioned this But also A lot of people Were on their uh, her show And they, they It was a storytelling show Mainly um, There were some sketches And some new segments But uh, A lot of the stories Were about how 
sex ed did never covered the female orgasm like i have yet to meet anybody oh, yeah, no. who went to a public school and please if you have let me know i'm so curious they my school did not teach abstinence only it did mention abstinence but it never mentioned the female orgasm i didn't even know that was a thing even though i've been having orgasms for fucking a decade by the time i got there um i think i, I know it was a was. thing but i mean i think i learned it from like fucking like harry met sally or something oh i mean just movies yeah. movies is how i learned most stuff uh yeah and Alanis Morissette songs and i think tlc maybe they helped a little bit too they probably helped a little bit yeah. they were they were getting pretty down and dirty Ugh, and i appreciated I it this show is sponsored by better help getting stuff off your chest is incredible it's so therapeutic we all carry around different stressors some of them are big some of them are small a lot of them are very big uh, but we keep them bottled up and it could start affecting us negatively and then we act like a jerk to the people we love and we're like this is not how i want to be therapy has saved my life personally there are so many benefits of it it empowers you to be the best version of yourself and it isn't just for those who've experienced major trauma although if you have experienced major trauma highly recommend if you're thinking of starting therapy give better help a try it's entirely online designated to be convenient flexible and suited to your schedule you just fill out a questionnaire and you get matched with a licensed therapist and you could switch at any time Finding a therapist is like dating. They're not all going to work out in the first try. BetterHelp understands that. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash guys to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp.com slash guys. Hey, come see us live. Yes, come see us live. Tonight. Oh, boy. We're tonight, in the tundra. Tonight. It is. I mean, it's always good when you need to buy a new coat for a gig and, and the coat might be more expensive than the <laughs> amount you're making based on the projected ticket sales. So so we'll be in Winnipeg. Uh, That's in Canada. Uh, again, guys, I just want to point out a lot of there's a lot of uh, trash talk on the Instagram about Winnipeg. First really? of all, uh-uh, why? that's rude. The people already have to live in Winnipeg. I don't think they also need you rubbing it in. Yeah. Second of all, you know, I and I and I was like on a tirade last night, so I updated. I added a comment to the caption oh. on the sorry the about Instagram. last night Instagram. I was like, guys, this is not. We don't go places based on fun. It's not a fucking vacation. Well, clear, clearly, we, we don't, don't book our dates either. That's the whole point of having an agent. Our agent wouldn't have a job. We just go, yes, Justin, we're available. Yeah, and I also my point is like, you know, if you live in a fun place. You don't need comedy as much as if you live in a cold, not fun place. Very true. So it's like if we're using our jobs seriously and what they're what I think their comedy is meant to do, Winnipeg's the exact place that we should go. Yes. In January. We're injecting laughter into the areas of the world who needed the most. All right. That's, this is what we're doing. And don't this is what we need to do to convince ourselves yeah, that there's calm a point down, to go. You fucking assholes. Into this negative ten degree <laughs> oh, can Fahrenheit I just say, weather. I'm going to to bump fucking tundra ass Canada right now, right? Yeah. With this for yes. these gigs or yes. we're, we're there now but we're recording this early and then i gotta fly to fucking mexico yeah i mean no one feels bad for that no, part no 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 <laughs> you said it like and then i gotta go to mexico <laughs> to this luxury yoga retreat <laughs> where i'll be on the beach with no electricity <laughs> and horseback riding no i just i don't know how i'm gonna do this uh, yeah i guess this isn't a sob story why, did, um, why wait but why aren't you able to do uh it'll be easy because the mexico stuff will take up so little room because it'll be small yeah but man the canada stuff's gonna take up a lot of room it's cold as fuck up there yeah i mean you just put a, you know like one sweater per day i think i'm gonna pull yeah i'm gonna do one bra 
Yeah, that's what I do for these tours. I take up so much. I mean, time. listen, nothing. I the the great thing about the uh, guys we fucked uh, to road tours is like you know you're not getting fucked, so you can wear. Ugh. You know, you can bring two outfits for four days. Definitely not getting fucked because I went to go get a base tan for five minutes in a tanning bed, and I can't. I can barely wear these pants. That's not great. You can't have sex when you have a sunburn. Did not you that put I'm having sex lotion anyway. on? I have been basking in aloe vera. Just no, no, like, no, no, no. But like suntan lotion before you went. Oh yeah, I did. I did. I really? put lotion on. Yeah, I got lotion, and then uh, and then I've been um, coating myself in aloe vera. I don't know. And it reminded me of the sketch I wrote about copper tone because fucking a sunburnt girl ain't really fun and it cuts to like a girl going, ow, ow, ow. Yeah, no, it's sunburnt girl isn't I couldn't fun. even masturbate because I didn't wear underwear in the goddamn booth because I'm an idiot. Oh. I don't, you can, you don't have to email me guys. I already know. You don't have to tell me base tans are bullshit. You don't have to tell me tanning beds cause cancer. I don't care to be honest. Well, I mean, so. we all, we all know that information. Lots of stuff that we do is bad. Yeah. I mean, Diet Coke ain't great, but I'm going to keep pumping it in. Um, okay. Raleigh, North Carolina. Uh, that's a place. And we're going to be there at Good Nights, which to me, not. You see, like, it's one word. So to me, it just says, this show is going to put you to sleep. <laughs> I know what they mean. I know they mean that you're going to have a good night. Or you're going to get roofied. But if it, it's truly one, if it is truly one word, <laughs> as it is on the sheet, yeah, either you're going to get roofied, which don't get that nail polish and dip it in. Oh, yeah. Get that roofie nail Or polish. you're going to fall asleep during the set, which is, that's hurtful. I'll kick you out. Don't so worry. it'll be Thursday, <laughs> uh, February Seventh. Uh, Sometimes it gets. I have trouble reading the numbers and converting them into months. Um, oh no! I not. just made the font bigger, <laughs> Grandma. <laughs> no, it's not because I can't see it. It's because I just in my head. I'm like, what's two? Oh, February. <laughs> So well, we should record early in the morning more often. This Thursday, I got like four hours of sleep. I feel terrible. Oh, me too. Um, Thursday, February 7th through Saturday, February 9th, five shows. Again, Raleigh, North Carolina. That's Good not night. the place where I thought the guy was going to murder me during my set, is it? In, or is it, that? It wasn't this exact club. But it was North Carolina? Uh, it was... Uh, I think so because it was in South Carolina, no. right? Then that means it was North Carolina. I uh, know. I'm, I'm asking there you because I don't remember. I don't. I, I think it was North Carolina. It was North Carolina, and a man got up during Corinne's set. Well, I mean, he gave don't you the tell finger. them that. <laughs> what? I was like, I don't want to scare them. Oh no, he didn't do anything. It is the only time I've actually been scared on. He didn't stage. have a gun on him. I asked the owner. Right. Well, but I mean, he had the behavior of someone who did. And then also, like, yeah. when there's like an older, what, like, white guy there alone to like a show that's like yeah. basically any everyone's female. Don't worry, we have them on a list, guys. Because um, lists always help. Well, the, even the owner was like, I didn't like the look on that guy's face. And I'm like, why did you let him in? Yeah. He just stood up in the middle. I don't even remember. Like, he just started like standing up and like yelling. And I was like, I didn't even get to my the My mom bad was part at that yet. show. Mm-hmm. Yeah. My mom was at that it show. It was very weird. And then she was like, Christina, you need bodyguards. Yeah. I'm like, all right, mom, you came to the one show somewhere now. But it's a right to carry state. And yeah. I, that's not. Nope. Uh, and then Portland, Oregon, uh, Thursday, uh, February 14th, Valentine's Day. Uh, again, we have no plans. Again, that's our area of expertise. <laughs> uh, I mean, even when I have a boyfriend, they're like, I d- date the kind of person who makes a reservation the day of <laughs> at like a fucking macaroni grill. Um, so I've never had a boyfriend do anything fucking. Ki- well, I don't want to recall good memories. Hold on. <laughs> I know what you're talking about. Yes, yeah, so uh, Valentine's Day, we're going to be uh, doing the Listen Up Podcast Festival. Not just doing it, guys. 
headlining, headlining it. it. You okay. pieces of shit. Headlining it, guys. Uh, we're going to do a live recording of uh, Guys We Fucked. A lot of people message us some really great people to have on the podcast. Mostly sex workers. Nothing wrong with that. Obviously, we've had lots on before. But if there's anyone who's not a sex worker who's like, I don't know who I'm kind of person I'm looking for. I feel like so, I, want, I was like Portland. I would love to interview a drag queen. I feel like we could get hit. Well, just I was like. We can get hit with a type of person that we've never had on before. That was my dream. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But what what was Portland? What about like a men's rights activist? I don't. I feel like that's anti-Portland. I know that, but maybe like okay. Now I'm just going off of Portlandia. But I was like, how about like a feminist bookstore owner? I want something Portland as shit. And, yeah, I, but and I know sex workers. I don't want to be like, hey, y'all, are awesome like, in Portland. I'm happy to be here today. No, but that's exactly what I want. <laughs> oh, really? Okay. Exactly. Okay. I don't know. Hey, I just sure. Feel if like, you have any Portlandius type like, guests, like a guys, guess you like know none other. Like yeah. we're just gonna be hit. What with about a nun? Portland. Are nuns in Portland? I, just, I don't know. And I'll be like, do you not masturbate? Or do you promise? Again, all the, the information I have off of Portland <laughs> is the two times we've been there, which yeah. is mostly like just small shops and a lot of cool tattoos and vegan restaurants. My favorite store, my favorite shopping is in Portland, Oregon. Yeah. And very colorful little houses. I really True. like that. And great, that great vegetarian place with the, with the Brussels sprouts. Oh my God. The vegan place. The No Bones Beach Club. Yeah. yeah wow. Good place. memory. Thank you. Good thing one of us remembers shit. <laughs> Uh, so for more information about our tour, go to sorryaboutlastnightcomedy.com slash tours. Uh, and a reminder, follow us on social media for uh, the latest updates on where we're going to be personally and together. Uh, it's uh, Sorry About Last Night for our duo stuff. I'm at Philanthropy Gal on all social media. And I'm Christina Hutch. And Los Angeles, Wednesday, February 13th, I'm going to be having my own show at the Belly Room in the, at the Comedy Store. It's I think it's, I'm calling it Christina Hutchinson and Friends. That's <laughs> and cute. I'm be, yeah, I'm going to be doing a long set and I'm going to have some of the comics read um, longer Fuckboy Friday text message exchanges or dating app combo exchanges. I'm very excited. It's going to be fun. Um, that's Wednesday the 13th. And then uh, Saturday, February 23rd is... Glamapus. That's my birthday edition at uh, Zinc Bar, 82 West 3rd Street, hosted by myself and Wendy Starling. Tickets are $15. The venue is 21 and up. Uh, and then for me on Monday, f- February 25th, I am also going to be in Los Angeles. Uh, I'm filming something. I don't know the details yet, but if you just put a holder, I know it's a Monday night. That's a weird night. And I think there's going to be Hell multiple shows, um, but it's something that uh, I really, really, really could use you guys at. And Dude. I would appreciate it so much. LA um, fuckers make great TV audiences. Yes. And I was like, you know, people who uh, aren't, uh, don't care about PC stuff and are just ready yeah. to get wild oh yeah i mean not that i'm gonna go in and like uh and then let's chop off clits or something oh Uh, come on that's not what i'm that's not what i'm doing but i feel like sometimes people are like this isn't the feminist agenda i came for (laughs) and (laughs) yeah no it's probably not gonna be um so that uh put that in your calendar i'll give more information probably on my instagram and then uh, as usual listen to two less lonely girls it's going deep conspiracy theory now rosebud and i are taking it in a different direction it's on itunes it's on spotify and it is now on youtube all free every monday Guys, the weather's getting warmer. It's time to say goodbye to your jackets and all your sweaters, and you got to refresh your wardrobe. Well, luckily... 
I found Quince. And now you have too, because you're listening to this. Now I've got a lineup of timeless pieces that keep me looking effortlessly chic year after year. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and passes the savings on to us. And if you go to their website, the amount of categories, they have travel, lookbooks, men, women, home, babies, and kids – their stuff is so cute. So I own a couple items from Quince, and one of them is the Italian leather handwoven crossbody purse in green, emerald, and I get compliments on it all the time. It's a small purse, which I really love because then I don't put as many things in it. Um, guys, Quince is amazing. They have very luxury items for very cheap prices. Get warm weather ready, baby, with Quince. Go to Quince.com slash GWF for free shipping on your order and 365-day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash GWF to get free shipping and 365-day returns. Quince.com slash GWF. Ah, so. <laughs> we, keep, we keep recording this in pieces. I know. So we're I, pretending like we're not. Yeah, this is the part we talk about personal stuff. Um, I The only one I'm going to share is i'm just so sunburnt and i can't not feel it like my vagina's burnt why didn't i wear underwear um oh god I, you have to protect your vagina i know i was like i can un- I, I can understand you getting your ass burnt yep nope vagina and all Ooh, you gotta be careful yep oh yeah no i mom will learn her lesson but um I'll, the only thing i'll say okay so i i'm seeing some people and uh one of the uh, a person that i slept with uh I, I'm pretty sure I, No I'm positive in fact I successfully Without even Meaning to do it Milked A prostate Oh I forgot What is that What I Basically f- tickling the guy's prostate And then Through his wh- asshole But then what But like you like, You rub it like a cl- Honestly you rub it like I would imagine You'd rub a G-spot But does something happen Like he just does the fluid had, come out No 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 fluid came out But he, the There was a boner And then the boner Started to like go And he was like Okay uh, You know you can Kind of stop Like take it out of me The finger in his butt And um, I was like Wait And uh, the, based off his reaction He made a very loud Just like The sounds Were indicative Of me doing Something right And there were sounds That I had not heard before From a man And I've had my finger up a man's butt many times in my life and yeah. i really do enjoy it i'm like one of those dudes that you know those guys that you sleep with that they're obsessed with making the woman come they think it's the hottest thing in the world mm-hmm. that's how i feel about men and so it was amazing and i wasn't sure quite what happened because he didn't come out of his dick and mm-hmm. so i was like wait but you had something and when i squirt i've squirted in the past my ex was like i know how to do it and i was like no you don't and then he was right he did and it wasn't like when you have a clitoral orgasm there's a there's a very um memorable memorable like punch that you feel when you have an orgasm sure but when you when i squirt it like fluid comes out and stuff but it's not like it, it just i feel lighter i feel lighter i feel like like my head is buzzing and vibrating it's like a totally different kind of orgasm that sounds like a popper uh maybe um never done poppers but uh yeah so i'm pretty sure i successfully milked a prostate um and i remember when we asked dan savage I was like, that's the only time i ever had have spoken about it since and yeah it's not as hard it's not it's not some crazy production like i thought it was it, it's mm-hmm. not there weren't there weren't fluids um but yeah well, because you asked him and he even he was like eh? he's like i'm pretty sure because he's yeah he's pretty sure that that's what happened too you know what i have to do because he wasn't a, he wasn't even 100 percent sure but something happened that wasn't like a regular orgasm mm-hmm. and it was good 
and it made me very happy. I'm gonna go watch porn. I'm gonna look it up after this to see if that's what I did, and I'll report back. Yeah. Give me an update. Well, I, but you can't always trust porn to be like medically accurate, though. That's the issue with it, right? But if there's something that happens in every prostate milking porn that didn't happen in our in the situation that I'm oh, referring right. to, then maybe I'm I've, off base. Yeah, I was like, I've never, I've never looked that up. Neither. I'm kind of scared, but you know what? I'll do it for the people. Well, and also, I'm not into the. I I don't. I mean, I've done the butt stuff for guys. I'm I'm not. No, for, not for me. No, thank you. <laughs> no, thank you. Um. Okay. So this is what we we promised. Uh, well, I promised really on social media, basically, because we had started talking about the R. Kelly documentary last week, and I had not watched it at that point and finished watching it yet. And I so I fin- I spent the weekend finishing watching it, the mm-hmm. six hours of content. Uh, and uh, it was not, you know, not that I thought it was me triggering because there's no trigger for me because I was, you know, knock on wood, uh, lucky uh, to be not sexually assaulted uh, in my lifetime yet. I don't know if we're going to say that yet. I feel like <laughs> that's what it is. so negative, Corinne. I mean, yet. Uh, so uh, that's a weird thing to feel fortunate about. Yeah. Um, but I, and, and so it wasn't actually as like, uh, it didn't make me as emotional as I thought it would. It actually made me more angry um, than it did sad. And I thought it would be the reverse because usually I go to sad. But I also think it's a thing about doing this podcast for so long where in a way, like I am a little bit immune, immune to stories of sexual assault, which again, real sad. Because uh, even some of my like uh, adult male friends were like, I had to turn that off. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, well, you know, she keep it on actually. So yeah, because you can't <laughs> pretend that this shit doesn't happen. That's yeah. why I liked I liked the the bluntness with which they talked about the subjects in that documentary. Yeah, I loved everything. So I have a lot of feelings on it. I mean, first order of business is that I was uh, blocked by R. Kelly on Twitter, <laughs> which is fucking hilarious. I just don't um, get how he tweets if he can't. Well, he's not illiterate. Hmm. He's not. He just can't read well. Well, that's what everyone's saying. Like, oh, he can't read. It's like, and it's like, yeah, he can't. But his re- he, wife, that one woman's ex-wife, Drea, yeah, taught him how to read or like kind of. Pa- Partially, I mean, okay. he really he was really using uh, his inability to read as a manipulation tactic so that he could right. present himself as vulnerable, which was so great because it fed into my fucking knowledge that I don't fucking trust men who are like I'm Can't so read. vulnerable, oh. uh, and I'm just like, mm, yeah, you got to be because men know women love when they get emotional. I mean, not That's me, true. but most women, uh, and even that shit you can't trust. I probably so, had a lot of guys do that to me. I did think of you. I was like, I know you love when a man cries, but I'm like, wow, he showed his emotion, Corinne, and then he's exactly and then deep in someone like, else in front of me. Gotcha, bitch. Uh, <laughs> um, I'm like, wait a second, right, right. So you know that's <laughs> definitely happening. So just be aware of that. True. Just because someone shows vulnerability or emotion does not make them a good person. God, you're so good at spotting that before I do. Well, you know, you we, really are. We all have talents. That's mine. <laughs> it doesn't get you anywhere. Well, I mean, it gets you like personally and stuff, but you know, it's not going to like get you a TV show or anything. Pool of poop. Uh, but yeah, and it was so funny because it didn't even take. I was so surprised that I was blocked by R. Kelly because it wasn't What'd even you say? good. So I, it was just two tweets. And the first one said, screw walking in Uggs with glittered poster board. The Women's March this year should be we all get together and hunt down R. Kelly, a la Gaston and the Villagers and Beauty and the Beast. Oh, yeah. I, I mean, that, that was scene. borderline whimsical yeah. compared to what he did. Yeah. 
So I was just like That to me was just silly I'm like I'm using a Disney reference And then some smart ass Had to be like But wasn't Gaston The bad guy And I was like Yeah But the beast Was also the bad guy Which is what we failed To realize in that movie But he turned into a prince Because she worked him hard She like really was good to him Long enough for him To turn into a beautiful but man But I mean like I get the problem In I retrospect Do you think of it First of all The reason he, he was turned Into a beast uh, to, to begin with Was because An old woman That old woman Yeah Knocks on the door secretly hot want to give him a rose exactly and then he was like fuck you you old ugly bitch exactly and then she was like jokes on you i'm a hot bitch mm-hmm. and he was like Oops. so he was treating people poorly based on the way he looked and then he got turned into a beast but like a very the beast was still hot kind of hot yeah. yeah the beast should have been like ugly worse looking like kind like of like that like monster that like joe rogan has in like the oh. front of his studio yeah give him a pooch or like fangs and uh and then Bill gets there and he's rude to Belle and oh, he locks up her her little cute dad. Oh yeah. Uh in a dungeon. Yep. And then and then she thinks it's okay to be like, I'll be your prisoner. It's not normal to be a prisoner in nothing someone's was, house. Nothing was good about that. If you're in R. Kelly's house. Yeah, nothing wow. was good about that. Um, and then the second thing I tweeted was just iso- was this was just like a serious statement. I, so I said isolating R. Kelly's crimes as being part of the Me Too movement is a disservice to all those affected, and does not convey to society the depth of his evil. He is not only a rapist; he is a kidnapper, con artist, uh, abuser, oh, habophile, oh, sex shit. trafficker, oh, and cult leader. Um, which is true because, like, yeah, it absolutely is part of the Me Too movement. But I think part of the reason that people uh, are questioning why a lot of uh, women are being, or or people in general, are being tougher on R. Kelly. Uh, I'm like, yeah, because it's, he's committed a lot more crimes than yeah. a lot of people in the Me Too movement. A lot. I'm like, you can't. And it's been happening in front of everybody's eyes. St- he's starving people. Like, this yeah. is beyond. Yeah. This is beyond forcibly, like, going down on someone, which is also not good. They're all not good. Yeah, not, but this all is, different shades and not good. This is so, this is so not good. Real not good. Um, yeah. So that's that. And he blocked me. And I was like, oh, my gosh. But, like, also, it's, like, probably someone from his team blocked me. Yeah. So that he doesn't have to see it. <clears throat> yeah. And I mean, hey, if I ever get that famous, I mean, I'll never do what he did, but uh, I'll definitely have somebody <laughs> block all the negative tweets. Blocking the negative tweets. And so, so I wrote a bunch of stuff down um, to try to organize my thoughts because I literally have like these huge post-its here and I was just writing in a fever, uh, awake dream all weekend and I couldn't stop watching and I kept pausing and making video about it. Um, and I think people were surprised how strongly I reacted to it, but I was like, and I, but I, to all those people, I immediately replied, "Did you watch the series?" And like, no, 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 but I know the story. I'm like, no, you don't. Everyone thought they knew the story, and anyone who says they knew the story, number one, unless you were there, you don't, because there's exclusive interviews on here, so you're full of fucking shit. Um, and then secondly, like, I don't think you have the knowledge of a six-hour documentary series just in your head. None of us do, guys. We're all you, don't be a hero. Like even when I researched just admit the you Spice Girls, see. I learned new things and right. i did a newsletter on them four or five years i know you want to pretend <clears> you know all the things because now we use knowledge as weapons and they can be weapons when you actually have the knowledge so here's some things to summarize again it's on lifetime on demand uh they had put it on the the one where you have to pay per episode and i guess people complained and they took it off because i paid for one episode it was only a dollar 99 relax lifetime and well worth it <laughs> uh so the first uh, the more like the first more i learned from the piece was that words are important um because media dramatizes and clickbaits us so often i feel like as a society we're losing our ability to gauge what is pressing and what is not um and so yes like i had heard things uh, over the years that R. Kelly had a house filled with women um, and that he had a sex cult. But 
the way it was presented in a lot of articles was number one they were putting uh, cult in quotations and so it was it seemed more like a modern harem which unfortunately in society is an accepted thing especially for famous dudes famous dudes always have young hot women around and it's totally fine and no one thinks anything of it and a lot of the women like to be there so that's why i'm like "Mm, i didn't really think of it like they meant like cult like jim jones cult like a real cult but when you put it in quotes i don't know why you're putting in quotes it's just a real fucking cult i guess because they weren't a cult a cult i guess because they weren't pledging um to the cult but i mean (laughs) it was a cult yeah um Second thing is people forget like the casting couch rule and that there are few things more powerful than dangling stardom in front of uh, someone's eyes. So a constant thing that's been being thrown back is like, well, what about the parents? What were the parents doing? It's like, okay, again, learn anything could but no but learn anything about a predator and prey r kelly was specifically preying on people who did not have a strong family structure who were um you know uh, definitely a lot of aspiring artists a lot of a lot of them were aspiring artists so like they wanted some they wanted to be famous singers more than anything else in the world and here it is at the time he's already a really successful singer uh and he's coming to you and saying hey i see something special in you you gotta let me do my thing um and we've seen this happen many times before uh you know celine dion's late husband did i mean not in a not in a sexual well i mean it wasn't like she well, they was married at the time what no she was, tw- they, she oh was 12 oh my god there's met. so many facts i don't know guys yeah i mean like the the, ca- the cash and dr luke is definitely well, like yeah, alanis morissette had kind of a weird relationship Fuck. again and i mean i'm not accusing these people of being sexual predators but it's people who are in positions of power uh dangling the carrot of success in the entertainment industry in front of people's faces and that's a powerful thing oh yeah it's it's intoxicating celebrity is intoxicating and no one is immune to it even mm-hmm. if you're a celebrity you're not immune to it i've been around it it's intoxicating i've i've fucked it it's very it's, it's intoxicating of course and i was thinking about um, for america specifically because we are a nation that has so many different re- uh religions uh you know every nation kind of does choose a national religion and we have chosen celebrity as our national religion i would argue pretty yeah. strongly so it's like that's what we look up to like when next time you're out like look around look how many people are trying to be kim kardashian like i i see like 10 people every day who have obviously like changed their face and their look to look like a kardashian that is strong that mm-hmm. that's not that's not nothing um next point r kelly wears sunglasses all the time i did not realize you're right how often he wears sunglasses and i mean that is you're obviously hiding something the your eyes are the window to the soul you're being you're able to hide not only what people are able to see in you but when people confront you about things you can't they can't see that you're lying eyes behind those glasses yeah that's not i mean he's wearing them during interviews that's strange that's a weird thing to do it's keeping a distance between you know you and it's also a great tactic to be able to manipulate people because what's scarier than the unknown so it's like this guy in sunglasses talking Talking to you it's a lot more intimidating if someone's talking to you with sunglasses on if they're um, rather than just like looking into your eyes um he carefully also crafted this persona that was like R- i'm r kelly i'm crazy i'll do anything and it allowed him to then truly be crazy in real life and 
his approach I thought was honestly genius. I mean, it was it was horrific, but it was genius because they go through the lyrics of his songs, the songs that he's releasing in the public eye while real time committing these crimes behind but uh, behind the closed doors, he's just telling us exactly what he's doing. Yeah, like ignition came out when he fucking had people locked in his house. What he, he took his own keys and he didn't give them to the girls. Yeah, and he and he even he gave himself a uh, uh, a name in, in in pop culture, Pied Piper. Oh, that's right. And he Pied gave Piper, himself that name. Yeah, every Ugh. we always give yourself like can't you give yourself the name? No one like gives those names. Oh, what are it's our always names? people making. I mean, we don't, we're not uh, even close to famous enough, Christina. Sorry. Over there? Okay. Um, and so he gave himself the name Pied Piper. And if again, he's telling us exactly what he's doing. The Pied Piper was a dude, an adult, who was using music to get kids in the village to follow him. Pretty accurate assessment of uh, what you're doing right there, yeah, R. Kelly. he's not even trying to hide it at yeah. all. Um, and then another argument people are saying is call the police. Why didn't anyone call the police? People did call the police. Yeah, they did. They, they performed uh, wellness checks. Yeah, well, that wellness checks are a, a big. But that's the only thing they could do with their kids over eighteen. But also, the thing is, R. Kelly was in with the police because he was using oh, mafia word? tactics as well. He was friends with all the police in Chicago, and and again, I know you know fame transcends everything. Like you just can make up your own rules when you're famous. He has fame. He has money. The police are not. I mean, they're the police are more reputable concerned. in America than in some other countries. But some <laughs> they're still not reputable, and so to think of the police force as like this pure thing that's always going to protect you, oh, as we see time and time again, is not accurate. Next problem: women not supporting women. Uh, if you're bored during your lunch break and listening to this podcast in the next few days, or if you need something to like you know tuck you into bed at night, you got you got to go check out the comment section on R. Kelly's Instagram. The first couple ones um, have already been turned off, but if you go back a little while, they're not disabled. And there's a lot of people calling him a predator and a monster, but there are also a ton, mostly female, uh, saying how they would love to be trapped in a closet with R. Kelly oh, or boy. stuff of that nature. Um, and it reminded me that so often our mentality as women is that um, the women that this thing is happening to must be dumb or slutty and that we think- are special and we would never be treated in that way. Um, and in fact, some of the interviews in the Surviving R. Kelly documentary, the people admit they say we were fans and we heard these allegations and we didn't believe them. Yeah. And we later became the victims. Damn. Got again. Um Next issue, we live in a climate of constant outrage and protest. So it's this constant boy who cried wolf syndrome. Um, And so, so many artists are being protested. So R. Kelly was being actively protest. But like Marilyn Manson is protest for being like kooky and wearing, you know, white makeup. Like, really? Oh, my God. All the time. That's why? Yeah, because I think he's like a Satanist. Oh. So like... I mean, every, I mean, you could think of any artist so hack. that has, you know, and, and anyone who's like trying something edgy or new has been protested. Yeah. Um, and so, again, it kind of like, oh, people are mad all the time. No one's really paying attention to it. But in this case, like, we should have been paying attention to it because R. Kelly um, was doing some bad shit. Uh, so he wasn't only, you know, uh, having sex with like. It's weird because they're also t- tossing around the word pedophile a lot. And I think that's Hepophile. important. Um, to use the proper language because he, this is the weirdest sentence I've ever had to say. He only had sex with one 14 year old. Um, oh, okay. 
But yeah, which wasn't is, Aaliyah twelve when they started their thing? Which is gross. Uh, I don't rem- I don't remember for that. She was very young. But and then she put out her <clears throat> album Age is nothing but a number. number. Yeah. So again, oh, just God. constantly, constantly telling us exactly what he's doing. Um, so m- most of the people he was having sex with again were like seven, you know, seventeen to nineteen, which is not like to me. That's not. It's not great. But you know, it's consenting legal age so when you're when you're saying pedophile like that's not really the the main issue in those instances the main issue was that he was holding women captive he they had a ask him to even so much as use the restroom or eat he was leaving people in hotel rooms for days and saying if you leave something bad's gonna happen to you he had all these like goonies fucking watching these people he was starving women for days and he i mean he was doing the thing where you make someone so uh reliant on you that they have no other place to go yeah and this was after he had been kind to them for you know a couple weeks so that they felt indebted to him so that they felt they were going to get something out of this and they're so wrapped up in it and then there is a point when like you know you tell your you know if you have family you tell them i'm gonna go become something i'm gonna become famous r kelly chose me there's embarrassment there too because you finally think i'm gonna get out of this bad situation that i'm in in my home life i'm gonna i'm gonna stop not be a cashier anymore i'm gonna be a fucking star there's something like when you make a big thing about leaving and that you're gonna become someone it's really hard to be like you know what i was wrong i was tricked and i'm back to square one and actually worse off there's so many layers there um that people just really aren't acknowledging um and the documentary just reminded me how important telling your story is because we've seen so many articles before but we've never really seen these women speak out before and there is just something about someone telling their story straight to camera that cannot be acted, cannot be replicated, cannot be reported. And you can tell, like, I mean, if you want to talk about believe women, like these women are not. Yeah. If you lie, don't, like if you, you don't believe yeah. the women on the R. Kelly documentary, <clears throat> you have a problem with interpreting what is true and what is not. Yeah, for sure. Um, and there's uh, most of the women have gotten out of it. We, you, even in the in the series, you watch someone escape uh, the R. Kelly hostage situation and that's my favorite episode that's like episode five but there's still two women who will not come home for some reason they're still wrapped up in it i don't know if they're actually they want to come i want to come yeah. home i'm not sure if they're still being you know still brainwashed but I mean, it's I'm uh, sure that's probably what's happening joycelyn savage and Azrael clary who you'll oh, both see joycelyn's parents oh god uh-huh. that killed me yeah and joycelyn's parents are in the documentary and uh they actually started a hotline for our kelly victims which is um excellent but uh yeah well it's joycelyn's mom right because it's Azrael's parents that are the the, the couple Azrael's yeah, the younger Joycelyn's one. mom is the one who was, yeah, who was interviewed. And I think <clears throat> Joycelyn's sister. Joycelyn's sister, yeah. yeah. I mean, th- it's just so co- complex. And again, a reminder that a sexual woman is not a valuable woman. And because sexuality is historically considered aggressive and masculine, I think a lot of people assumed that these women could maybe take care of themselves. But for the most part, a lot of these women are coming from troubled lives and not all of them um because there was one who was already a famous radio dj so yeah it's not yeah that now was interesting that, that was, dynamic exactly and so and she was in her 30s like there's a lot of different people represented there which i think is also important it's not it's not it wasn't the same financial status it wasn't the same educational status across the board and again a testament to how 
powerful celebrity is. It can do anything. It can take it can take a woman out of a successful radio job and turn her into like a sex slave. Yeah, and 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 uh yeah. Yeah, celebrity is a crazy 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 thing. And um and yeah, and then a, a couple of things it's 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 interesting because as with everything, uh it it did there was some talk of race that came up and people are well, getting yeah. upset because well, number one, if you watch the documentary, everyone involved in the story is a person of color. So it's yeah. it's not like there's white people holding And the last episode was called yeah. Black Girls Lives Matter. Right, but I I think more importantly than that is the uh because it's interesting because they tied it in they tied it in to that uh through um activists like Tarana Burke yeah but the women who are actually telling their stories were not telling it from that perspective which I found really interesting because the whole time the first five episodes they're just human stories and I thought the filmmaker did an excellent job of being like this is just this is just a human story yeah which is really important because I think a lot of times you're watching a movie and you're like you know you go to see a Tyler Perry movie you're like you know, you think you're like, I'm going to see a black movie. You right. Think, you think that or you like see fucking an episode of like Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. You're like, this is a white show. Yeah. And unfortunately, a lot of our the um, media and art that we take in is segregated. Not, you know, not presented to us as segregated, but it is. And I think that we don't realize that a lot. And I think that's also the problem. Uh, why there's some racial tension because people, you know, the black community is like, this was happening the whole time. And white people were like, we really didn't know. And we really didn't know because you realize in this documentary that R. Kelly, while everyone knows who he who he was he was revered in the black community in a different way. This was a this was a guy who was who was, uh, you know, like being sung his songs were being sung in in churches yeah, people's weddings it was an important part it, of people's lives exactly and so and it's really hard I, I was thinking like who's my favorite you know celebrity like victoria beckham if stories came out about victoria beckham you know sexually assaulting little girls or little boys like how it would, yeah. it would be so tough for me to, to, to for me to digest that yeah and i understand that because our celebrities these are the people that we look up to the people who achieve the life that we so uh that we want to achieve who has this you know how have these amazing talents and r kelly's story is 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 deep i mean he uh he was molested himself mm-hmm. and no one deserves that no and he had a really rough start uh, uh life his you his brothers interviewed from prison like he did not have it easy uh and, and he had this it was very apparent that at a young age he had this yeah. talent that was otherworldly yeah yeah and and, and that's it's that's amazing <clears throat> that's and unfortunately a, he he used this power that he had for for evil instead of instead of good um and it's upsetting and i think people were questioning you know like why i was so extra upset about r kelly um and you know i haven't given this much time to anyone to, to anybody else um number one it's because i learned so much information like the, a documentary on everyone in the me too movement did not come out and if it did i would watch it mm. um this r kelly to me is one of the most heinous stories definitely on par with harvey weinstein but even harvey weinstein wasn't locking people up and starving them for days he was using mafia tactics he absolutely was, was threatening great. to well, yeah when you said mafia tactics i thought of him very yeah. similarly the stories are very similar um but harvey weinstein as even even though that was something that was going on for decades just as our the r kelly thing was uh, as soon as the Harvey Weinstein thing really surfaced into the public eye, his career was over immediately. People, well, yeah, whether yeah. it goes to people jail or listened. not, people listen to that. His but that's, done. I think, 
but that's I think one of the major differences <clears throat> between when the victims are white and when the victims are black like that's the one thing that I that I feel like the documentary uh, that last episode when there was a lot of journalists talking about that it's like oh fuck yeah god damn it, but it's, it's just interesting because it was really like it, yeah they were just really it was it's it's a and everyone seemed to know like uh there's like a some famous like charlemagne's interviewed um and there's uh, another famous uh kind of uh i don't know what the word like a mogul in the uh radio industry who i think his name was tom joiner is joiner i think uh was interviewed and they're all kind of saying like i don't think anyone knew when you stack it all together you know i think when things come out piece by piece it's hard to remember like this is the list of things that happened um and even uh, and even tarana burke uh is being accused of being racist what uh as i told you when i met oh that's right because i looked at her tweet and she's really upset because she has been fighting so hard to uh have these women of color stories be heard and uh you know she's being accused of like attacking black men and so it's interesting because again like race is is constantly involved and it's really hard as a white person to talk about it because you're going to be accused of white feminism as i was you know by very minimal people over the weekend but it did happen and i do want to thank uh, there's a, a lot of women of color who um commented on my instagram and we had some really good conversations because you know they think there's like regular the regular people you know a bunch of people that i see commenting mm. and some people that i had not ever really seen commenting before kind of came out of the woodwork and we had some really great conversations and i love that because I just think it's so important. Again, like the bottom line for me is always women believing women. And uh, while we would love men to be on our side and it's really important and it helps so much if you are, if you're not women, we at least got to have each other's uh, backs. Um, And ultimately why I think it was uh, important to mute R. Kelly in a way that I didn't feel about any other artist uh, is because he was telling about these crimes in the songs so like these are not just songs by a person who is a predator they are songs narrating the actual stories of trapping or molesting or raping people and that's different that's different i mean that's just it's a different thing (sighs) yeah that's really out in in front of you yeah and so yeah i'm very on board with hashtag mute r kelly and the, and the women who started that well, his record label so we recorded this on a monday this intro and his record label dropped him yeah cool should happen a while ago but that's the cool thing about like documentaries like this right um because yeah, people are like oh why the, didn't happen yet i'm like public yeah. outrage i you know we can critique it all we want but <clears> a lot of times sometimes it really is helpful and Public to organize outreach. something into a, in, into a movie because it's like you know we're all not going to sit down and read fifty seven articles right. on it's, something. It's a quick, I, yeah, it's a great way to educate everybody. Unfortunately, that's the power of filmmaking. That's kind of the purpose of the documentary. I mean, that's the reason I went to film school was because of um, how motivated I felt after watching like Michael Moore films and how I wanted to get out and do something. Like, yeah, did all those facts exist about you know guns before Bowling for Columbine? Absolutely. Yeah, but. Who are is everyone researching every bad thing in the planet and put, organizing not. it together? Like, yeah. no, they're not. Um, so yeah, so that's my thoughts on that. Uh, and uh, yeah, whew, I'll be thinking about this for a long time. And then also, I mean, gosh, I don't know if there's anything that we can do as a group uh, to get Joycelyn and Azrael oh. home. But the fact that this <sighs> is still going on, that this documentary ends and everyone knows, and I mean, it's bad enough that R. Kelly is 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 still, you know, at least he's being, you know, he's being investigated. He's he's still a free man, and uh, 
the most important I feel thing like that's not going to last much longer is but like I, uh, the most but important hopefully. thing to me is getting those girls home and i posted pictures of them uh, on, on my social media because they had last been sh- spotted in chicago they have a handler oh. with him yeah um, But they've been moved but around I, mean, I don't know <clears throat> You know the psychology Of somebody who's been Brainwashed like that Runs so deep And I know if you're Listening to this And you just can't Possibly understand How a human being Can be a victim of Of a kidnapper Basically Or yeah. of a cult leader It's it, Look Historically this has been Happening for a very long time um, It's something that can It's a powerful tactic That all those factors of I'm young I want to be famous I am overwhelmed And intoxicated By the celebrity Of this person And he's actually Talking to me Yeah I mean I can't Fucking imagine I was telling you The other day I commented on like Jonah Hill's Instagram Because I was like Oh you should read The Four oh, Agreements right, right, Or something right, right. And then he messaged me And he was like Oh yeah I love that book But even I Who've been around it And I've been Intoxicated by it My whole life But like I was like, oh my god, oh my god, oh my god! I felt yeah, like exciting. high, of course. But it was just like him being a nice person. Like it wasn't anything weird or or or, or trying to. It wasn't him being like, you're great. But I felt like a million dollars. Yeah. Which and, and but I was like, man, that's so interesting. The power of that. Yeah. Because had it been any Joe Schmo, I wouldn't have given a fuck. Of course like, not. It's just so. Uh, yeah. So you know, when you combine that and you combine using what I, you know. Things that you see in like the movie The Godfather, and yeah. then again and being in a mansion like that, being in the home of a person, like, yeah. And then Jim Jones again, like I had just you know a couple months ago watched a documentary on Jim Jones, and I'm like, oh, it also feels like like a cult leader, yeah. So there you go. All right, watch it, guys. Our guest today on Guys We Fucked. She is a stand-up comedian. She is a writer and a co-star on the show Crashing on HBO. And she's the author of the book Wediculous, An Unfiltered Guide to Being a Bride. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome to the show Jamie Lee. Lee. We are here with Jamie Lee. I'm so excited. I'm to talk so to you. excited to be here. Yeah. Thank you for having me. Thanks for coming. Congrats on everything. Thank you. That's Fucking so killing nice. it. You're so good and crashing. Thank you. Um, you've been working on that show since the beginning, right? Yes. Since its inception. Yes. I was so a good. I was a writer first season and second season, and then I got cast, and now I'm like a actor producer on it. So how does it I, feel? It's been a journey, guys. <laughs> What's the difference? Do you notice like are people like it's a girl from crashing? A little a little bit. Yeah. 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 I feel like it's not well the the rec the recognizing is never like overt. It's okay. more like double take stuff. Yeah. How yeah. is it and you dated Pete? Yes. A, a while back. Yes, ten years ago now. And how is it I was always curious, like, is it weird? Is it fun? Is it kind of fun to just he, obviously there are characters that you're playing but you know there's some truth yeah. to some I, of the underlying story well i think i think that the role oh sorry can i can i adjust my headphones really yeah quick? do you want Just, them lower i feel like maybe a little louder louder yeah is that oh that's great perfect yeah, that's perfect i just felt like i was underwater for a second <laughs> sorry what was the question um <laughs> is it weird to be 
uh, an on-screen girlfriend to oh, your ex-boyfriend? Yeah. Um, honestly, no, because I think that the I think the on-screen relationship. I know that the on-screen relationship is very different from like the relationship we had. Okay. Just in that, like, I was kind of starting out in comedy. He was definitely more seasoned than I was, so I kind of was like. I don't know. I think the roles were sort of the opposite of what they mm. are on the show. Like, because on the show, it's kind of like Allie. One knows what you're doing. Yeah, Allie's kind of like, let me show you the ropes. Whereas, like, in the real story, it was like, I was two years into comedy. Not even that, I don't oh, think. Oh, okay. Yeah, and he was maybe like five or six years into comedy. So, yeah, it was just a little, little different. little different. I was definitely, like, green and just kind of, like, figuring it out. That's fun. Yeah, because that's what I was wondering. I was Because, you know, sometimes people have a relationship or have something happen and they basically just transcribe it and put it on TV or put it in a movie. Or put it in yeah. a book. Yeah, yeah, I Yeah, it is it is interesting because I, I feel like the inception of the, like the, for, I guess what I'm saying is like the beginning of season two, mm-hmm. I had, I we had talked about how like, oh, Pete's going to be in a relationship and I was like, oh, I wonder if it's just going to be like, taken from our lives and then it really did take on a very different form which I think I was happy about because then you can take you can be more like creatively free with it right right and not feel like you're exploiting something that you weren't doing so you could write about it on television right right and also then you can like exaggerate certain parts and like you know exaggerate like the characters to to be as like funny and awkward as possible which is you know what you would want to watch on TV because if it's too close you're like well that didn't actually happen that way and you're like okay I'm just this is just my diary now yeah and I feel like we we run into that sometimes like in the writer's room there's like like Pete will say something like oh well this is how the story like just in exploring any anything like mm-hmm. he'll be talking about a different relationship he was in and he's like well this is how it went and then we always are like well even if that is like the truth we still want to like make it the most like crazy and fun and tv quote yeah. unquote as possible so like high stakes high stakes yeah yeah <laughs> so i feel like yeah i feel like um that's that's just what's nice about like not like sticking to a true story 100 yeah. percent is that you can like really do whatever the fuck you want and now you're doing press for crashing yeah. right now and we were talking um before Corinne got here we were talking about uh, you were getting asked a lot about Louie and that it's yeah. like asking a female comedian what she thinks about the Louis situation is the new, uh, well, who, what do you say to people who don't think women are funny? Yeah, it is. How often do you get asked about the Louis thing? Like every interview, would you um, say? Um, I would say like f- more than 50% of them. Oh, shit. Yeah, it comes up a lot. Do you have prepared answers at this point or do you just get annoyed? I feel like I should. Like it's weird. It's like every time the question is asked, I'm just kind of like, I don't really have any it's I don't have anything to say I don't know yeah and then I feel guilty for not Mm -hmm. having a more like carefully crafted answer and then I was saying to you off mic I was like oh you can't win it's a trap to talk about Lou yeah there's no good way to talk about it I think he's like insanely scummy and what he did is like it's just horrifying and then that's beyond that I don't you know, like what I more per- do you want me to say? You're yeah. like, it's like they're looking for a soundbite or they're fishing. Well, I perform. So I was performing at the cellar. I guess it was like the first night that Louie was on the marquee again or oh. like on the whiteboard outside. Oh, they put him on. Okay. And then there were protesters. And then the protesters, then, then an article was written about the protesters and about the lineup. And then like um, someone, I think from the New York Times, maybe called my managers and they're like does Jamie want to comment on this and I was like I was just there like doing my spot man yeah you're like, doing your job I don't, yeah I don't why does it have to have anything to do 
do I mean I know I get why it has to do with him because it's like okay well you could potentially like not perform at that club and all these things and I'm like okay but like why does why does Louis take away my stage time like That's I don't thing. understand what's happening here yeah because in comedy you need fucking stage time yeah mm-hmm. and women already have it harder so it's like oh now women also have to sacrifice and be some kind of a martyr because of uh dirtbags performing at the same places that we perform at it's exactly. like no it's like you don't take away women's spots you take away uh the scumbag spots if that is the issue exactly. or yeah. everyone can just perform and people can realize that you know everyone does not <laughs> everyone's morals do not have to be aligned if yeah. we're performing on the same stage like I mean I don't agree with half the people that I perform with but I respect them as colleagues and I say okay they're here and that's it and if I don't like someone I don't talk to them yeah, yeah. and well, that yeah. oh sorry go ahead go well, ahead it's, what were you saying too it feels like we were talking about I'm like there's gonna be creeps like if you if you got rid of every single creep in the comedy community there'd hardly be any male comedians <laughs> yeah and then also but it's the same environment wherever you go there's gonna be a fucking creep Dale in accounting is gonna be the Louis of the dental office yes, or whatever it's the fuck. not you know exclusive what I mean? to our industry yeah and that's it's what I wish people would get the only thing about our industry is people are like there's no HR there's no you know it's not a it's not a company and I'm like yeah but like your moral compass is your is, is, your, is HR. your HR yeah, yeah that's a good way to put it and like I don't know and I, like valuable real estate in an interview with you is getting taken up instead of talk you get to talk about the things you're doing you have to fucking answer about this asshole yeah he's just taking like, over oh everything and yeah. it's like it's yeah it's also talking about him gives him more power in a lot of ways but then not talking about him also gives him more power there's it's <sighs> yeah. a real lose-lose <laughs> well I think it was like we were talking about him in the wrong times it's like for all the for all the years we should have been talking about him we weren't which was giving him more power because um, mm-hmm. it could have like been something that was nipped in the bud a lot earlier and he would have never reached the height of fame that he reached yes uh, and then and now we keep talking about him at a time when we probably should be quiet because that's my theory with uh, with Donald Trump I don't really talk about him that much because I'm like I feel like the more we talk about him we're just kind of giving him more publicity right it's like speaking him into existence yes yeah. we, we like, all know ugh. we 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 it's like at this point we get it he's a cartoon character having a hissy fit so. yes yes <laughs> what are you gonna do and the only conversations that i'd be interested to have about louis are amongst comedians anyway i don't want to talk to the reporters about that's that. that's how i feel it's not interesting mm. to me i don't get anywhere yeah. i don't i like trying to figure out how i feel about a situation by talking to other people who are in a similar spot who maybe have something to add to the conversation that i haven't thought about like that's the only time i'm interested in talking about it yeah and also it's like a safer space when it's with your friends because we're all just trying to figure it out yeah because i do talk about it with other comics Same. and it's and it's really interesting i'm interested to get the guy's perspective and the and the women's perspective right and i don't feel exhausted when i talk about it with with comedians <laughs> it feels productive it feels it productive does. Yeah. And it, yeah and it's also like it's on all of our minds and it feels cathartic to be able to discuss it but when you feel like candidly yeah. your if you feel like your reputation is going to be ruined in the way that you were asked about this person who's mm-hmm. bad you're like wait why am i the bad guy now yeah mm-hmm. because i don't have the opinion you want yeah because i i didn't like write a statement to put in my head and i'm actually like experiencing it as a comedian like yeah we're going through it yeah like we're in it yeah we're it's, not ju- you know we're not far removed reading stories about it it's like no that's my thing that's my world yeah 
It's so odd. It's always hilarious, though, when people who aren't comedians try to uh, kind of be experts in the arena anyway. Because I'm like, you, can you uh, like learn how to attend a comedy show and not talk through it or open your phone first? And then we'll get to the next level where you're deciding who can be on stage. Because yeah. like, we haven't you haven't even aced that first part <laughs> <Right>. yet. <laughs> you have, yeah, you have zero respect for the craft. You have you're not that as a fan as you claim. Yeah, that's like so everyone thinks annoying. it's a and a I'm like, why? Are, just why? And then if you actually ask a question that you need an, like an answer to sometimes then it'll be dead silence and i'm like oh okay so now you don't want to talk <laughs> this is perfect this is exactly what i how i wanted this set to go <laughs> but so you work uh with all men in your job pretty much yeah and, and then i'm gonna be a hypocrite and ask what reporters would ask lo- but i am do- personally do- curious dominant, dominantly yes i'm curious what do you notice it and what times do you notice it? Because I was telling you, like, the projects Corinne and I worked on have been the writer's rooms that we got to hire. So right. they were, men were the minority, but not on purpose, but that's just who... A little, bit on pur- little bit on purpose. A little yeah, bit on purpose. Yeah, sure. Well, the assistant was a guy, which I, I felt yeah. very happy about. No, they're, it's great. They're great when they're a minority. Yeah. It's really... A, no. Um, but I... Yeah, I feel like with, with crashing... You know, it's funny because also in comedy, like, the optics of a writer's room, they kind of do mimic like the optics of like the comedy scene, mm, which is that yeah. it is pretty male dominant. Mm-hmm. And um, I think the biggest thing, and I've had this in other writer's rooms too, where I'm, I feel like I'm, I'm the only girl or there are very few girls. Like you, I think when you're pitching ideas, like you need one, you just need one other person to be like, yes. And then people go, oh, maybe it's, when it, you know what I mean? Yeah, there's mm-hmm. this like illusion of respect yes. around it if somebody supports it. If one it other person co-signs it, yep. then everyone's like, okay, I'm listening. Yeah, so I think that that's when it can get tricky. If you're like, you pitch out an idea and you're like, oh, if there were more women here, I think that that, that like it would, this would be more of an idea that we explore. Yeah, have you yeah. ever had to, have you ever had a guy pitch an idea uh, and it involved a plot with a female character that he didn't quite understand understand like the dynamics of being a chick with the pitch meaning like yes um, she got her period and then she just wished it away and it went away like yeah or something yeah less er- dumb. early on um yeah early on in our writing there there was like yeah there have been a couple of pitches where it's like and they have a cat fight and you're like oh it's just a fight <laughs> They just don't get along. They're not like they're clawing. rubbing mud on themselves. Yeah, they're not and like it's raining. They get like, pillows out yeah, and their bikinis on. Yeah, they're not like it's. Yeah, they're just fighting. Cat fight is like a. Der- it's like a derogatory term about how women have conflict. And, and you're like, yeah. yeah, and they also probably like that was like a little pornographic. And it sounds a little head. hot. Yeah, like oh, a cat fight. <laughs> this is the real sexy. Oh, yeah. This is the clip that we're showing in the yeah, commercial. Yeah, I feel like some guys, and I don't. I mean, obviously, every man is different, but when you. What in my experience is when I've kind of spoken up just a, it's and it's a little thing like if a guy says cat fight and you're like no it's just it's a fight it's a fight we I argued feel like yeah. sometimes they get defensive and like all right calm down but I'm know. not I'm not that mad all I want to do is point out that you, you missed it you missed the mark on that word just change it like yeah I feel it's like, also like there's a, it's okay to like be like I'm growing I don't you know yeah. I, I, I I used to say that I didn't realize it was wrong thank right. you for pointing it out yeah because it doesn't have to be like a, a protest yeah, yeah exactly. exactly and i feel like yeah sometimes sometimes guys don't understand that it's not it, it, there's some middle ground there it's not just going to be we're going to total meltdown <laughs> it's okay just yeah. learn and then don't do it right 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 i, I feel hard. like if i said something inappropriate and inoffensive like i want people to correct me immediately yeah me too 
And it's not a big, it's like, okay, now I know. And then I In won't the do moment, it. In the moment, call it out. I'll fix it. Yeah. Moving forward, I'll fix it. Yeah, especially better to do it like in work, in private, with a friend, with a colleague than before you say it in like in an interview. And then it's eight, you know, eight publicity pieces later. Exactly. You're like, oh, fuck. <laughs> yeah. This is a hashtag now. Right, right, right. I'm spiraling. <laughs> right. Yeah. But I'm also trending on Twitter. So like, eh, I don't know. <laughs> I know. Sometimes I'm on my Silver Twitter lining. feed and people are just... I'm blowing up. <laughs> In a negative way, yeah. but I'm still blowing up. This negative article about me got 120,000 retweets. Wow. I've yeah. never been more or less popular. <laughs> <laughs> That's fun. Oh, my gosh. So what, I mean, I, I, excuse me if they're asking you this nonstop Please. already, but what is it like... Um, being in a writer's room like working for your ex having your ex-boyfriend be your boss yeah that's a great question it's funny because i think well i think that pete and i dated so long ago and it mm-hmm. wasn't for that long yeah that's how long was it like it was like a little under a year okay. so it's like significant but not crazy it meant something but you're not it crying so- over each exactly. other exactly yeah. and like it's just it's interesting because we've been friends so much longer than we ever dated and we also have worked together so much longer than we ever dated so at this point and we're both like married i don't know there's just a piece of me that's like oh that was just like me in my 20s like yeah i don't i i don't i don't have any like negative feelings towards that relationship but it feels like that's not an accurate like depiction of our dynamic now yeah um so but the re- oh I know why I said that because it, it does bring it back to your question which is like it's actually okay mm-hmm. like I think because we have such a sort of comfortable work dynamic it doesn't feel he never acts like a bo- like he acts like a boss and that he has to make decisions but he's sure. never like it, he's like pleasant so it's like yeah. it's fine yeah he's um, never like Jamie you fucked up yeah this yeah. reminds me of the time yeah, yeah. you no, know you always yeah. do this Jamie <laughs> that would be an actual nightmare <laughs> I know this is so you <laughs> Jesus Christ you a typical Jamie yeah exactly it's not it's not that so that's good oh uh, yeah well oh my gosh that reminds me so you're you're married to Dan Black yeah. and I yeah I this I was just thinking about this last night I completely forgotten but the impetus for this podcast <laughs> I don't know if you even know this is uh Frank <gasps> who's we don't say his last name but he, him like we dated for two years he yes. dumped me in a Panera bread I spiraled started this podcast and then I was thinking and I was just like Dan is and Frank are best friends no 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 <laughs> not anymore uh no I or they I, were they were in an improv group together I was like they were they were friends at a time yeah I mean th- and then I didn't I didn't mean to say that like no they're not no he like, hates Frank I was like oh no I was like I know I was like maybe this was a one-sided they they were in a yeah right they they were in a improv group together I don't think they see each other that much anymore okay yeah 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 but anyways continue and I was like didn't you date Frank for like a week or something like a hot second oh my god (laughs) did you oh my god I I did I feel like I remember this I actually (laughs) forgot that until you just said I also forgot until last night when I was prepping for this interview in my head and I was like wait we before after you guys before after you dated Frank oh long before yeah long before yeah because Jamie just has always dated your boyfriend long before. Long, <laughs> like, long, long. There's always a really yesteryear. long period of time. Yesteryear. Oh, yeah. man. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I date. Oh, my Isn't God. Isn't that funny? Like, something could pop up and you're that like, I don't I remember intimate. dating him. That's crazy. I mean, I was like, oh, yeah. It's like, a while when you ago. brought up Frank, that was not my first thought was I dated him. <laughs> my first thought was like, oh, yeah, I know Frank. Yeah. yeah. That's crazy. 
I think because I was I know it was like a, a, a short second but it was only because I think I was just starting stand up at that time yeah when I was that dating was when him I met you I remember meeting you I met at you. Matt Mayer's house mm-hmm. is that where I met you um I don't I don't you even know at this Matt point Ma- I remember you came to Matt Mayer's house because he had some I should I shouldn't have said his last name maybe oh I mean as long as, unless you're gonna say anything bad oh no I love Matt Mayer he's a great guy <laughs> no 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 people say first last okay. all the time um but yeah we went to his house he had like a beautiful house in like upstate New York and there were a bunch of like Ooh. UCB people this was like for the 4th of July or yes, something yes that's what mm-hmm. it was yep mm-hmm. and I remember you were there and you had really I think you were wearing heart-shaped sunglasses and I remember really that liking sounds, them that sounds like me yeah they oh, were thanks. really cute yeah <laughs> didn't we book you on our uh, Gotham oh City God, improv shows right. yeah yeah because I remember Karen was right. like when, we, when Karen and I first started our comedy duo she was like okay we need to do this this and this we got to go to the UCB Halloween like she had like this plan intact to like network oh, and meet people that. yeah it's amazing and um and then I remember you were one of the first people we booked oh, on our weird that was ass a fun show I remember that show I loved those shows yeah. those were good times yeah Dan were, came with me to that show that was like when we were first dating oh, oh my gosh yeah fun. yeah that's and so you were crazy. seeing Frank during those shows right when yeah we yeah I mean on. for the whole beginning of like sorry about last night which is our comedy duo yeah right. I because uh, it was so funny because there were some people <laughs> in stand god I feel like I've been in stand-up for like two lifetimes but um <laughs> there were people and you and you were one of the main people I would always just watch you because I'm like these are people who are just like working really hard and kind of like keeping to themselves and like being very professional because there's like two ways you can go with yeah. comedy you yeah. can go like full hardcore every night's a party you're gonna end up like shitting out a window like chris farley may he rest in peace and then and then you're and then there's some people who are more like i call it the jane Curtin approach mm. and i feel like sometimes i feel like you know almost boring for it but i'm like no you can just be a hard worker and be organized and have like a life that is not chaotic and still succeed in a chaotic environment or a chaotic business and so I always like you were one of the people I always like took notes from because I'm like Jamie works so hard and she's doing so well oh that's so nice it's true though because you know you need like you just need people um I think in real life because you can look up to you know Sarah Silverman or something. I don't know Sarah Silverman though. You're like you need to look up to people in your life so you see in front Real of you like examples. making it happen. I love that you say that because I I coined a term. Pete would make fun of me for this because I said it on a panel like five times this term. But I was like <laughs> lateral heroes. That's like I, oh, I love that. I was like that's my favorite thing. I'm like everyone. It doesn't have to be someone who's like 20 years older and super yeah. veteran. Not that those people aren't inspiring. But I'm like your friends can be pretty inspiring. Yeah, and like the people that you surround yourself with can be heroic and like you just like even though they're not they are that person in 20 years they're yeah. just not there yet mm-hmm. you know yeah, and if anyway if anything it's more inspiring because it's like oh they're a living breathing example of what I want to accomplish or what I want to be doing or how do I want to conduct myself so I know it's possible yeah sorry also I wasn't calling myself a hero I just want to be clear you are a hero <laughs> but you are a lateral hero Jamie. I'm a lateral hero <laughs> horrible yeah because it's so easy to say, see what people so are disgusting. doing on the top because it's you know it's it's so publicized but like I think people don't realize all the shit you have to do before you even get in There's the public so eye. There's so much groundwork. Oh, mm-hmm. yeah. You Especially with comedy. It's like, yeah, I feel like the groundwork laying actually never ends. It feels like. <laughs> oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And, you, and you forget you have to keep setting goals. Like you have to keep going. Because goal setting is how I feel like Corinne and I got to where we are now. And it's like, oh, okay. So you need to be looking forward and be like, okay, what's the next thing I want to do? What's the next thing? Because yeah. when you when you have some form of success, you're like, oh, shit, this is so cool. And you bask in it. But then you're like, oh, yeah, I still have to keep moving forward. I know. Especially, yeah, this, I think, like, what we do, everything is so, like, ephemeral. It trains you to be, like, I think it trains you to be fairly grateful. Yeah. 
like it, it it always like keeps you humble because it's like yeah things are great right now but like what if it turns like a bleak corner suddenly <laughs> like I have to prep myself for that yeah mm-hmm. yeah you have to have like a plan in your head mm-hmm. yeah you can all you can also see uh, that laterally as well sometimes yep. <laughs> and you're like Mm-mm-mm. remember when that person was the talk <laughs> of the town this could be oh, my yeah. future I always like to remember that I feel like I should have a vision board of just those people's like lateral antihero yes the but lateral antihero that could go either way <laughs> wait that's so fun I think mm-hmm. I did know maybe I didn't I knew that the Frank thing I well, I knew that was a component of the podcast starting but I didn't realize it was like the launching pad. oh it's the oh, impetus yeah. yeah that's amazing yeah. yeah I was in a bad place for a Very long bad. time I mean yeah god I, I don't know if you've ever I've, seen somebody lose 20 pounds in a week oh, I have and her name's Corinne Elizabeth Fisher <laughs> It's yeah. I when I went through a really bad breakup, that that was I just stopped eating. It's it was the, crazy. It's the deepest pain. It's the it's deepest though, pain because you you always hear like a lot of people are like oh like yeah I've been depressed I've gained so much weight and I think that that is some, how some people deal with depression. I, I don't eat. Truly, either. am not. It's not even like I'm starving. I'm not hungry. Yeah, yeah. the desire I don't to have an appetite. Well, I think it's like the desire to nourish nourish yourself just goes out the window. Yeah, I because I get the same way. I don't even want to put food in my mouth. Right. And it's not It's, it's like nothing gross. to do with weight Nothing no, to do with It has nothing, has nothing to, to, do to do with vanity with, Or even punishing myself no. It has nothing to do with that either Exactly I just, The hunger leaves me it And that's how you. sad Yeah Yeah Well for me it's like The, the anxiety also Because I Well I'll get an actual Like minor shake And then And then it feels like You know If you're on a roller coaster Or something And your stomach Is like oh, shaken up Yeah so And then you, you wake just, up Every morning like that Yeah you're kind of like <gasps> mm, Like your, a Your stomach is like Churning It's mm-hmm. like churning <sighs> Whatever like Nourishment you do Yeah bile But it's churning whatever it. food you do have in you so it's like eh, i should probably just like not put anything in my body right for a minute. yeah and, but it's so funny like once you're out of that out of that tunnel of despair for me i'm curious how you are i just like forget it even like i don't forget it happened but i just i i recycle the sadness out of me like i have to sweat like a fever out of me yeah once i'm done with that oh man i'm good to oh, go Oh, it's the best feeling. i'm on top of the goddamn world i know is there any better feeling than like real like just truly like bouncing back from feeling shitty after a breakup getting your joy back the you best you feel it every entering oh, every you. day yep it's like meditative oh it's so good it's yeah. like the sun is entering i through know your skull. i'm like i want to just like go through breakups just to bottle that sensation yeah, i totally understand. i want to like put myself through intentional pain just yeah. to come out on the other side being like <laughs> fuck yeah life we're back baby I through it yeah. and i'm stronger yeah. when was the last time you ha- felt heartache because you've been with dan for a while i've been with dan for almost 10 years um i guess the last time i felt heartache was yeah probably i went through a breakup um i guess it was like two years maybe a year and a half before i met dan two years and it was completely blindsiding oh. and um he was in los angeles and i was in new york and it was over the phone and i was kind of like living in his apartment not fully like i had my own place still but i stayed at his place all the time especially oh. when he was gone i even just stayed at his apartment and so I was like in his bed when oh, he broke shit. up with me. And I, yeah, I was just like, this is too much. Like, and it came out of nowhere. And then his roommate came out and he's like, oh, are you fuck. okay? And I was like, no. <laughs> like, did, he, did the roommate know he was going to do it? I, he did, I don't think he knew. Okay, so I had good. to like break it to the roommate, which was just like even more intense to have to like loop in, you know, oh, the housemate God. to what was happening. And yeah. And then, yeah, it was just, it was. Just do you remember being and it was in, in the that... cold? It was like, it was February and oh, it was really no, snowy. And I was can't... living in like a shitty part of Brooklyn. And every day, I would just like walk to like the nearest coffee shop and like tears would be frozen to my face and I would like cry while I was getting my coffee and the barista like started to take pity on me and she'd like ask me questions about it 
And that just I, made it even more depressing. I was oh, like, I don't yeah. want to talk to a stranger. I don't want to get to a place where I need to talk to the stranger about my pain. Yeah. Like it's at that level where like I will, I will, any ear that is given to me, I will talk into it. Yeah. I will let them listen. Oh, yeah. I always, whenever I'm in a, co- a comedy club green room and somebody's going through a breakup, you could just feel them reeling and they want you to ask them about yeah. it so they can just like unload. They, yeah. Because you have to get it out of your body. Yeah. You have to like vomit it up yeah. every single day. Uh, what do you remember like, like the saddest thing you did or like I would listen to this one song called Say Something. I, I think my ex was the one who like brought it to my attention. It's the one but that's like say something the, I'm giving. Oh yes. my God. And I <laughs> good song would too. listen to it. I would, sucks I would, to have that song ruined for you. It, it sucks. And I would take a bath and then I would drain all the water out the bathtub and then I would be in the bath freezing Stop. cold and I would play that no, song. You were and torturing I would, yourself. I would take a bag of chips and eat it in the tub and I look back and I'm like damn Christina. That's hilarious. That's got to go in a script or something. Yeah. <laughs> that is a great visual of you in a bathtub, just cold, like <laughs> just denying crying. yourself the pleasure of warm water, yeah. just like chips instead of water. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my God. Do you have any of those moments I mean, like come to mind? Well, the, the, just that the imagery of me walking to that coffee shop every day, cause I, I was unemployed. Um, I had oh. just quit my full-time job to oh, like quote unquote pursue stand up, but that just <laughs> meant like being unemployed. Like yeah. I was like, why did I do this? Um, but yeah. And I, um, I was like nannying part-time and I remember like going to pick the kid up from school <laughs> and just being like really checked out yeah. and he would like ask me questions and I would just be like, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> like, like, just really morose. And Miss like, Jamie, are you ever going to be happy? Yeah. Don't worry about and it. And he would just like, I don't know. I just was like the worst babysitter. I was already the worst babysitter because I like didn't really give a fuck about nannying. Like, I just wanted to like be selfish and pursue comedy. Yeah. But like, I was definitely the worst babysitter. It's like shocking I didn't like lose him in a, on a street corner or something. I was you were tweeting so or something. out of it. Yes. Are you not good with kids or you just weren't good with that kid? Or I think I'm, de- I'm okay with kids. Um... I want kids and mm-hmm. I hope to be better with my own. <laughs> I'm sure you would be. I mean, yeah, that's how it goes. I feel a lot like of I'm really great with my dog. I feel like if my dog mm-hmm. could talk, oh, yeah. he'd be like, you're a really good mom. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, you know, guys, I don't know. Uh, but that's I definitely def- was one. never like, I, when, you know, have you ever talked? Did you guys nanny at all? I, I babysat for this family. You met the kids. Yeah. I, I babysat I, for them a couple times. I'm obsessed too. with these I, kids see, and the family. That, your reaction is like healthy. I feel like I never like loved this kid. But they, I was sometimes like, kids cute. suck. You know what I mean? Yeah, Truly, I met that was it, and or not, not even that they suck. His fault. You just can't connect. Oh, it's hundred oh, percent the kid's fault, Jamie. He wasn't bringing his A game. You didn't he have wasn't. chemistry with that kid. No. I've met kids that I'm like, yeah, I don't give a shit about you. And yeah. then I've met kids. I met one kid, weird circuit, like a an old neighbor from childhood's girlfriend's daughter. I, I, I will never forget this child, this little girl. I like this little girl made me want to have kids. Uh, and I met her like a year ago for two hours, and this kid changed my life. Was she like funny? She was just so sweet and loving, yeah. and I don't even know. She was just a magical child. Yeah, that's the most magical kid I've ever met besides my nephew. But then I've never met a kid that like. Other well, than that kid. The reason I said was she funny because I remember, I just remembered, I babysat for this one family just for a couple of months and their son was so funny. Like oh, actually, funny. not like, ki- I mean, kid funny is cute. Yeah. But he was funny. Like he made jokes and they were good. And I was like, this kid is like real. I told him, I was like, your kid's funny. And she was like, I know. That's fun. Yeah. And he he was really sweet. He he made me, re- I, I feel like I connected with him a little more than this other boy. Yeah. Who was adorable, but like, but we like, just didn't. Maybe he didn't have anything to offer. We really, we didn't really actually. No, he didn't. Yeah. yeah. The, the girl yeah. that I babysat, like I got her into SNL and like she wanted to be a comedy writer oh. for a really long time and that, but she was funny. 
so I get it. Yeah, funny kids are pretty great. <laughs> were, were they pretty were those kids' uh, parents funny, or were they in the no. comedy business? <laughs> the mom was one of the worst human beings I've ever wow. met in my life. That's crazy. She wow. She was psychotic. Oh shit! And I don't say that lightly. Oh, that kid should go into. It was like or it was rough. Like she was. Oh my god. Wow. We, there was one. So like I was. I was just like really uncomfortable around her. She was really rude to waiters. Mm. Oh, that's go, the worst. Like quality. mean. Like mean to wait staff. And then she also her daughter had her daughter. Um, this is such a weird specific. Her daughter was like kind of getting like ver- her daughter's thirteen at the time. Um, was getting like varicose veins in her legs, and the mom like wouldn't let it go, and she was like we would always go on these like treks around the city to like get her like compression socks to like make the veins it's a vanity go away. thing though, right? And I was just like, mm-hmm. dude, they're not, you can't even see them. Mm-hmm. And she was like, oh. you can't get them. This is preventative. And it was so crazy. Oh, and then like no. her little boy had some kind of like, he had some kind of, um, I think, I don't remember what it was. We had a condition where like he had passed out once before. He was fine. But anyways, he one day, he, <laughs> he was not, okay. not, not with me, Get not up, with me. Jeremy. No, like in his past, like before I came <laughs> right. along, he had passed out. And so she was like, anyways, one day he was like, I don't really feel good. And so she took him to the doctor, which, okay, makes sense. Yeah. She gets to the, gets to the doctor. The doctor's like, he's totally fine. He's just like a little dehydrated. Like he, it, it was hot out. And he, yeah. she was just, and then she's like, well, you should probably do a blood test. And he was like, please don't take my blood. That really hurts, mom. Like, and yeah. Yeah. A doctor's like, it's really not necessary. He's totally fine. And she's like, he has to have a blood test. I was like, that's so crazy to like make your kid like get a shot when they like don't need That's blood. a little Munchausen. I know it's not a shot, but it felt Munchausen. Yeah. That was my point. Especially when like, the doctor's like, nah, you don't need to. Yeah. This doctoring's kind of my thing. And yeah. I feel like it's a no. Like knowing when to needle and not needle. Yeah. That's kind of like my jam. Doctor 101. Yeah. It's like, I don't, I'm Porn telling instinct. you. Yes, exactly. I just was like, Ugh, this it is It seems like crazy. the humor then was like a coping mechanism. Yeah. For this kid. That yeah. kid's probably very emotionally intelligent. I know. I know. That's what he he's felt. Get, that, that's exactly what it was. He felt adult. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I hope he gets therapy. Well, his therapy. sense of humor was mature. Mm-hmm. Yeah. For a five-year-old. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Five. Wow. Yeah. Wow. That's impressive. Yeah. I hope he's okay. I. Me oh God, too. I totally get. What I. That's like. It's one of those things where I'm like, I, yeah. I was like, I gotta get out of here. Like, yeah. This is. And also, like, there was one night where she came home, so I. She had me stay super late all the time, which was fine she didn't pay me well either so it's just kind of oh, the same no. where I was like I need the money but it's not a lot of money right and I just felt like she was like pretty abusive and one night she went out really late I stayed with the kids in their apartment they didn't have air conditioning in the apartment this is like the middle of July it was so hot in there mm. and it was kind of tiny and I was like where do we go it's like late like Stick I can't like in the it's not like we're gonna go to a bar it's like we can't get out of here <laughs> So I'm like, all right, I guess I'll just like stay here. And then she came home at like 4 a.m. And she was wasted and she got in my face and she was like, I know you don't like me, you bitch, but you're going to love me by the end of this summer. I swear to God. Oh, my God, Jamie. I thought she was going to kiss me. She got in my face. She's I like, thought she was going to kill you. No, oh, God. I know. But she said it in like kind of a hot way. And I was <laughs> oh. like, what the fuck? <laughs> Jesus. How long after that did you quit? Oh, my God. I needed the money so bad. I worked for like another month. Fuck, yeah. dude. Oh, no. Yeah, it was really oh, I'm so nuts. sorry you had that experience. Yeah. It was real. And then her kids were like, because it was a small apartment. So they definitely heard her say that. And I was like, oh, this is fuck, dude. completely fucked the up. Sun, very the son has a bit about it now. Yeah. I mean, he probably does. <laughs> you know when your mom sexually threatens your babysitter and oh you're like, mom. God. Was that like one of the more traumatic things that's happened to you in life? Like that, that's that jarring. Was prob- that's definitely the most traumatic job I've ever had. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, because, um, yeah. And then there was like another time where 
I so I was like she knew I was doing stand up because um someone who worked her the person who referred me to her also was in stand up so mm-hmm. I guess like she had stand ups as her assistant sort of consistently and um so I was like yeah on Sundays I go to this open mic and then she was like well, okay that's fine you can um, just take just take the kid with you. Well, mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, he's really young. Lady. I don't think that's like appropriate. And she was like, no, no, no. I want to. She literally said, I want to expose him to culture while he's here in New York this summer. And I was, this summer. And I was like, that's not culture. Take him to the Met. You're man. five year old hearing the word like cunt and like who yeah. knows what else at an open mic. Especially the jokes aren't developed yet. He's not really getting this like yeah, an accurate yeah. taste of yeah, comedy. Yeah, <laughs> it's not really what You're you still think baking it is. The pot. <laughs> yeah, and also like at open mics, I mean, there's a real like wide range of just like vile, yeah. awful. <laughs> You know, just like terrible things are being said. Yeah, at open really, mics. truly, scum of the earth stuff is said. And yeah. I'm like, I don't want to expose him to that. But apparently, she's fine with it. So okay. Did you take him? I did, but I Whoa. made him wait in the lobby while I was on stage. I was like, I'm not saying the stuff that I say in yeah. front of this kid. It's too weird. Oh my god! But that's my dream kid, though, to have no. like a wiser than me. I got my friend to like sit boy. in the lobby with him and like babysit him temporarily while oh I went my on stage. God. It was so good, good work. Good work. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> Oh, we only had to do that one time. I was like, one time we had when we had a mom on guys we fucked. We had our uh, another friend who was a stand up like go and bounce around like couches oh, yeah. with Wait, the kid. Yeah. It was it was Corinne Allison. and Allison. Klump. Oh, that's right, that's yeah. right. Allison took her. Okay. There's another Corinne. Oh, okay, I know. Ooh. <laughs> Two in the world. I know. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's my little Corinne. Uh, that's great. Um, so I wanted to move into weddings because weddings. I realized. Um, I was watching your Instagram stories about like if you're getting married and need. Yeah. Yeah. Like, and obviously you have your book. your book who ca- that came out um like two years ago yes maybe? ridiculous uh-huh yeah and we we actually never really have talked about weddings in five years on the podcast because we're all so not on unmarriable or <laughs> unwifeable <laughs> unwifeable mandy, mandy. statmiller yeah like <laughs> i and i was like what a simple thing but an important thing in life uh, for some people the best day of their lives that we just have not discussed in five years and then I was like I need to really reflect on a lot of my life <laughs> yeah I mean it's interesting when you say unwifeable because I'm like <laughs> that I feel that way like I am a wife ew I hate that word yeah <laughs> so gross that word's gotten fucked up I'm a wife oh <laughs> I, I think of yeah I think of a husband from it the 50s with a cigarette in his mouth well. hitting me with a beer bottle I'm exactly. a wife exactly I'm a wife yeah it just I, I makes just, me feel like like my spine is just like curving down and yeah. I yeah. Like my tits are to my ankles. Like yeah. It's just like not a, it's a, it's not a light word. Your hair smells of cigar smoke or something. Right. Yeah. Yes, right. Yeah. It I don't sounds, know what happened to the word wife. It sounds burdensome. Yeah. 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 I love hearing that from someone who wrote an entire well, this book is the whole about book. weddings. The okay. whole book is like. It's how you feel burdensome it, being called a wife. Well, I mean, that was my thing when I was getting married. I was like, okay, uh, I love, I love like the aesthetic of like wedding shows and stuff. They're very yeah. like bubbly and yeah. light and just kind of like. You know, it's just like the dress and the cake and everything's just very like pretty. Yeah. But all it is is selling the fantasy, which is great. I'm all about the fantasy. But then somebody has to break this down and be like, come on. Like, yeah. come on. I mean, mar- all like there's so many marriages that end in divorce. Um, most people I know who like are getting married. I mean, they're like really stressed out. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, that's all they're telling you. You know, like it's stress on the outside but underneath like they're dying like they're going insane wow and that's the thing i was like i just want people to feel less alone when they're getting married because when i was getting married i mean i was fighting with dan harder than i've not only fought with him fought with anybody in my life it was like volatile it was like really bad and what was the underlying was it did you feel pressure 
It was because his family was weighing in on our wedding mm. in a way that initially I thought was really helpful because I was busy. So I was like, this is great. They'll kind of take the reins and like fill in the holes that I can't do. Yeah. And then it got to a place where I was like, actually, I want a little more control over my wedding. And then like Dan was like, no, like let my parents handle it. And I was like, OK, you're not supporting me. I'm the bride. Mm-hmm. And then it just became like this weird like power struggle control issue and we just like lost sight of what it meant and And the reason you were doing it in the first place I mean truly we were like throwing the word divorce around before we even (laughs) got married and I say that in the book I was like if you are going through this I'm not saying this is everyone's experience I really hope it's not but if it is like you're not alone and um that was my whole thing and also I was like you can still have a book or a wedding resource that is really fun and I I have a whole chapter on dresses and cakes and all that I'm all about it but I was like somebody needs to marry uh the the truth with the fantasy yeah. like that has to happen and coat it with some humor yeah. to make people and feel also, more sane it's time for like a feminist wedding book like yeah. where is that book and feminist or in that maybe you, it exists you, and it probably exists now <laughs> but I probably like, started the trend I, I think I'm you probably did. a pioneer I think I think you're a lateral hero <laughs> I think I might be a lateral hero um but like to me a feminist wedding book also means what you were saying earlier like you can get really amped about the dress and being looking really fucking pretty exactly. and, and the cake and the flowers and the the girly things and, yes. and uh and any traditions you want to incorporate you know because i'm i love i love going to weddings but you can i love there's nothing better than like a good wedding where everyone just gets along and everyone just having a good time and they're re- i mean it's that's not an a open bar journey. wedding i think yes. absolutely oh uh, yeah i yeah i mean i i enjoy weddings i don't think i'm definitely not someone who like dreamed about their wedding I started really dreaming about my wedding when it was time to get married I got really into the details but like I wasn't someone who like made my Barbies get married I feel like that's I was pretty just healthy like, my Barbies just kind of like bumped crotches yeah plastic yeah. crotches what surprised you most about the process of organizing a wedding that you didn't expect the most surprising part would be um that wedding planners don't really at least I won't speak for all because there might be some listening my wedding planner did not take on responsibilities like I thought she would. It, there still was a lot for me to do. A lot. Like what? Um, I have no idea what yeah, you have to do I mean, when you get married. Yeah, I mean, kind of all of it. Like, you know, you still have to make a lot of choices, like who your band is going to be, who your, you know, the caterer. And if you even if you have a caterer that's suggested to you, you have to still, like, pick the food out. Like, your, your wedding planner can't read your mind. Right. And you kind of want someone who could. You want someone who's like, I got it. Even though it's like I, you almost just want someone to make decisions for you, even if they're wrong decisions. Just like give them yeah. a Pinterest board and be like, here, this figure is, it out. Go you got to here. How much yeah. is it per person to invite somebody on average? Like how much? Oh, God, I wish I had those stats. I, d- I don't remember. Like I, it was definitely over. Yeah, I was going to say it's definitely over 100 per person for our wedding. We had about 125 people. And it was open bar. Um, and then we had a band, which if I could do it again, I would not have a band. Our band, they auditioned for us or the lead singer auditioned for us. He came to our house and like played like acoustic guitar, like literally looking in my uncomfort- eyes. That sounds it was, really uncomfortable. It was terribly uncomfortable. <laughs> Who arranged the audition? Is that my mother-in-law? Oh yeah. God, so Jamie. this man like came over and like played. He borrowed Dan's acoustic guitar <laughs> and then like strummed his little heart what out. What he's saying? What he's saying? Don't stop Black believing. Bar- oh my God, no way. <laughs> and you hired him? And you were like, you're the one. I mean, 
I was so There's... pressured. So Dan is from New York and he's more specifically from Long Island. And in his Long Island culture, like wedding <laughs> bands are huge. Like they're, you know, it's like 15 people on stage. Oh they sound God. amazing. They cost so much money. It's a big racket. Yeah. But from where I'm from, Dallas, Texas, every wedding I'd DJ. ever been to is a DJ. Yeah. Cotton Eye Joe, motherfucker. Absolutely. I agree because my grandmother is from Jersey City and she has this thing that like if you go to a wedding and there's not a band, you're at a trash wedding. <laughs> and I'm like, uh, number one, it's funny to say it in that accent. And yeah. then number two, like I prefer, like why don't we just go with the professionals? Let's which just is, hear the song the yeah, way it was yeah. written. It's like there's a reason these people got on the radio because they're better. Yeah. Like yes, let's just replay that, that you is know? hysterical and so spot on. I don't understand. I Wait, mean, so this guy comes over to your house over and borrows he, your fiance's guitar, yeah. sings Don't Stop Believing yeah. and looks you in the eye when he's doing <laughs> it. Yeah, yeah. Did I you like say you're hired on the spot or were you like, no, I need a day? I, I did a we'll think about it. Oh. And then <laughs> afterwards, everyone was like, oh, I think he's great. I think. And then he promised all of these um, musicians, all these backup musicians that like had really amazing resumes. He's like, oh, I'm going to get the girl who was just on America's Got Talent. She's an amazing <laughs> voice. Like you, you're sending me YouTube clips of her. Like, I'm like, all right, oh. I don't want to be overshadowed. So there was part. Yeah, I know. Right. I'm like, it's my day. I'm the most A-G-T. talented person. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so he kind of promised all of these, um, you know, amazing people who are going to be in the band. And I was like, well, you know, if this is Dan was really set on having a band cut to the wedding. I mean, this band fucking sucked wow in the middle of our wedding dan and i were like this was a bad choice wow yeah they were off also i think the big thing was that the band didn't suck it was that the equipment that they brought was not suitable for an outdoor venue like the acoustics they're just lost because you're outdoors right so like the speakers weren't loud enough or like it wasn't mixed well like the vocals weren't loud like the bass was really loud it was just confusing yeah and so and also you know when they play like the hits that you want to hear like shake it off and they're playing it like a half tempo too low right it's like yeah like a band of horses cover shake it off and you're like dude we don't need to change the tempo right or like a dude is singing it yeah give me tea and he changes the melody Oh yes. My God. yes it's just confusing that. it's in fact so he he played he played music when i was walking down the aisle he, he oh they did a pared down version of the band for um the ceremony so it was like him and two other people and acoustic he set. played uh what did he oh what was my song oh river by uh by Leon Bridges, which is like a oh, beautiful yeah. song. Oh, I love Leon Bridges. Yeah, I mean the song is so good, but this, but Leon Bridges is so good. Right, I, I'm His like, voice is I angelic. just want Leon Bridges, but instead it's like this old white man with like dyed auburn hair. <laughs> Just being like, take me to the river. Oh. <laughs> putting his own artistic yes, twist on it. A twist on it. Oh no! Giving it his little spin. I, God, was I like, want to oh. see video footage of that so bad. I'm privately. like, how did you not laugh? Like, I, I mean, I, I, it was such a, it's such an insane wow. thing to be like, walk, to actually walk down an aisle <laughs> is. It is so emotional. Even if I like hated Dan, I would start crying. Like yeah. literally just walking down the aisle <laughs> of your own wedding is just like, oh my God, deal. this is happening. Like my dad is like next to me. Everyone's it's a looking lot. at you. Yeah. It's a lot. It's it a is. kind of attention that is, it's beyond, it's not even attention. It's like, you're, it's almost out of body. Like, yeah, it's every bizarre. time I, I always see the bride mm. like going from table to table. I always feel so bad. I'm like, man, you must be under so much stress. Right now, just making sure, like every uh, couple, the last couple weddings I went to, the, I noticed the bride just wanted to make sure everyone was doing okay, and you have to like, greet everybody. I'm yes. like, oh my god, just have fun, dude. 
Yeah, it, and you also, when you see everybody, you just want to hang out with them. And I feel like for me, the biggest takeaway was like, I loved and loved and cherished the weekend. The wedding was great. It's not like the wedding was great. Yeah. But the wedding is not really the part that feels the most special. The most special is like just being at a hotel where everyone you love is staying is yeah. like incredible to the point where I'm like, we should just have reunions. Like, reu- like I don't know. I want to like hold. I don't even know what I would call it. Like, just a weekend where I'm like, let's just all like block out this hotel and like get my friends and family to be like, yeah, we're like, whatever it is. Just yeah. like, we call it the weekend. <laughs> and yeah. it's like everyone you love goes and just like hangs out. And this hotel was really conducive. We say this place called Westlake Village Inn and there were like bars on the property and like, nice. um, like d- different restaurants and like several it's pools. And it's just a great hang. That's nice. Yeah. yeah. So what was going through your mind? Because I mean, you hear of people like, you know, just not showing up or like ghosting their own wedding day and I and and I mean it's should so shitty to do to someone else especially someone else that you love but like I I understand kind of the the pure fear that you might have yeah like what do you remember like the thoughts going through your head yeah I remember I feel like I kind of started to black out a little bit hmm. um probably I would say maybe around like 2 p- the wedding was at 5 like around 2 p.m. I started to I started to panic about timeline mm-hmm. in a way that was irrational. My one of my bridesmaids was like you have to calm down. Like what is wrong? <laughs> Cuz I was like, "Oh, we're going to be late. We're going to be late. We're going to miss the wedding." Like I I was really worried about missing the wedding. You know they won't start it with that. I know. <laughs> they can't. It's <laughs> like the most important. Yeah. And that it's exactly that's the point. It's like, what was I? I don't know. I was just really anxious about that. But um, wait, what was the question that you asked? Just like what was oh, going through your mind oh, yeah. walking down the aisle? Yeah, that all of that. Like the the thing that's crazy to me about people missing their wedding is like <laughs> you 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 pay so much <laughs> yeah. that it's almost like just do it and then figure it out after. Get it an old, if no. anything. Yeah. 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 Because the party is already, I mean, it would be it's weird already paid to, for. The yeah. deposit's down. It would be weird to like go through the motions of like saying vows and stuff if you didn't mean it, but but I feel like you're so focused on like the day. The day has to go like this. This is the timeline of the day, the day, the day. And yeah. so it'd be weird to just bail on the day. Mm-hmm. It's also, it's weird yeah. to me that the bride, maybe it's not weird. I don't know how I feel about this, but it, the weddings always fall on the bride makes all the decisions and the husband, in my in observations, ha- just is like, whatever you want, honey, happy wife, happy life. I'm like, all right, you got to have an opinion on something. Yes. And, and it's exhausting for you, I would imagine. Well, I was in the opposite camp where Dan was acting like the bride and I was like you have too much I was like you gotta back down (laughs) walk away motherfucker you better walk away because this is my this is my domain yeah uh, yeah okay I I have full agency here I was like but but also is that right of me I I don't know probably not was that is how I felt no (laughs) very not no it was like a constant he kept being like, yes, like, you, yeah, like, it, it's your thing. I wanted to. But then he but I would make a decision. And he'd be like, why would why is that your decision? And I'm like, why do you care why it's my de- like, it's just my decision. Like, yeah. So that was the bulk of our fights. And looking back, I'm like, what were we even fighting about? Yeah. But it was just it was all about everything feels loaded because you're like, OK, well, if we're fighting like this about this this is symptomatic of the way all of our fights are gonna go this is gonna this is like a a blueprint for the way this marriage is gonna look and you're so scared yeah it's a kid it feels like a preview but that's such a stressful but it's stressful yeah stress is compounding the whole thing but you you believe in the moment that it's real you really oh, be- it's like being on drugs and being like i love you no i really love you and then <laughs> afterwards you're like oh that was like my 
downstairs neighbor. Like, I don't even know them. (laughs) So, yeah, it's just, like, very delusional and strange. With writing the vows, um, with writing the vows as a feminist, that's that's the one thing. A lot of, like, pre... I mean, obviously, you're writing your, you know, a lot of your vows yourself, and or some people just go completely off book. I didn't know, don't know if you had, like, a religious um, text that you were working with. Uh, A religious text. I mean, we had a... Well, that was another piece. We had a rabbi Mm -hmm. who... This is a quick departure from your question. I'll circle back. No, go ahead. Um, but uh, it's definitely worth mentioning. We had this rabbi who was just kooky. I mean, all around. <laughs> first of all, we got married on Passover. So like most of the rabbis oh, yeah. like weren't even working. Yeah. So we got like the one who like was. And so she, the choice was kind of made for us. And uh. we had discussed with her in advance like what we wanted. We're like, please, like, just keep it really short. Like we're not super religious. Like, you know, I'm not I'm not religious at all. And Dan is like more cultural than religious. Um, so I was just like, please just like keep it short and then we'll do the vows. And she um, she also was like, oh, and there's parts of my, like, I don't know what you call it, script that I, that she sings. She was like, I sing a little mm, bit. Okay. And we were eating um, dinner with her at a Thai restaurant and she started, she burst in, I had a lot of people bursting into song. She yeah, burst into song like in the restaurant. Wow. Like chanting, started yeah. singing. <laughs> like in Hebrew. Yeah, like to a, let us know what her voice sounded like. And I was like, great, sounds great. Cool. Just, okay, I got it. Stop. Yep, yep. Okay, just eat yep. this chicken satay. Please stop. <laughs> um, oh my God. So, yeah, so I was like, okay, she has a nice voice. And then, but then when we got to the wedding, she started singing all of these like not previously agreed upon parts. <laughs> oh so my it was God. so much a lot of people singing. taking artistic uh, yes. interpretation like yes. off the charts. A lot of artistic liberties. Yeah. Yes. And I was just like, oh my God, she's singing so much. And it was like as she projected, <laughs> she started to sound not off as key. Yeah. Oh it boy. got a little wobbly. She probably knew that you were in the biz and you know, it was like maybe yeah, there's an trying agent to get on here. She's auditioning. On TV. Yeah. Was she looking you in I the mean, eye Pete when she was, was there? Maybe we could have put her on crash. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Who knows? She knew maybe. Um, but she, yeah, so that was wait. But oh, but then going back to the yeah, we did we didn't have a very religious. Uh, and did you like? Did you write? I did. Uh, yeah, I wrote my. Own you vows. wrote everything, and like, because I'm always like, what the hell? Like, do you say this is your moment? And then for me, I feel like it's just such a weird thing to do in front of like all your friends and family because like, half so the stuff weird. I want to just tell the person myself yeah. in private. Keep yes. it between us. Yeah, and looking back, I'm like, I definitely, it probably would have been nice to do it in private um, because it just does sort of feel like a performance. Although Mm. in the moment, I did feel pretty locked in given that it was in front of a bunch of people. I wasn't really thinking about the audience too much. I was aware, not the audience, but you know what I mean. No, I know exactly what you mean. (laughs) You were in some applause I couldn't imagine reading vows and not turning to the audience and be like, guys, don't you hate when you went like going into stand-up? It's tricky. And like we had a big conversation about it in advance where I was like, if we're going to write our own vows, because at first I was like, I don't want to write my own vows like mm-hmm. I, I don't need to do that I just I, it just sounds like a big responsibility and I don't know I was just worried about it but then we ended up des- deciding to do it and um and I remember having a conversation with Dan where I was like we cannot be jokey like whatever the impulse is and, it, and it's totally understood we're both comedians yeah it cannot be infused with jokes like I I it has to be like brutally sincere we yeah. have to try and then Dan's were and mine weren't. <laughs> I thought I was light. I was like, I didn't, I made maybe two jokes, but they weren't, they weren't jokey. It was just like kind of lighthearted. Yeah. But then it like kind of killed. And I was like, oh, this is oh, and you, weird. And then you started taking artistic liberties. Yeah. And then I was like, oh, yeah, I'm just like, hmm, look at this. But it's I'm so, killing. but it's so odd. But I mean, it's, it, it was just, and then he, I mean, he was so in it. He had, he had a piece of paper 
with like whatever ideas jotted down and he literally in the middle of his vows threw it away he tossed it and and everyone started bawling and I'm like hysterical and I was like oh my god he's so much better at this than me wow yeah it was really amazing so maybe you were saying that out loud to kind of remind yourself more so so. like let's not turn this into a show all the time it's I mean yeah because I was like I can definitely do no jokes but in my head I would be like mine better be fucking better than uh my husband's I definitely was competitive (laughs) yeah I know I I felt competitive I mean the thing is like I'll hear people say like oh I you know I'm I started writing my vows like a year before the wedding I started working on them or six months I didn't start writing them until three days before the wedding because any earlier I was like pissed off Uh, I was like in a frantic stressed zone where I was like there's no way I can even like write about how I love someone when I'm like just filled with all these responsibilities and like weird like resentment from this whole process yeah I mean like I really am very grateful that I wrote a book about it because it was the only way to cope with what I was going through interesting yeah like when I look back and read it I'm like yep that's how I felt wow like, that is a hundred I really like crystallized that experience I'm so glad you wrote the book because I do feel like it's a common thing to go through when you're a bride or I'm imagining a groom so it's nice to yeah it's got to be so nice to know that you're not you're not crazy for going insane and talking about divorce it's almost like um it's almost like your wedding planning process is like a pregnancy of some kind Mm -hmm. it it is like you really are like in a different physical state yeah at least mental state well yeah I got it man for those couple of months however long it is your engagement who pays for the wedding and when do you have that discussion yeah because I mean, it's weird that the the tradition of like the bride's family i'm like yeah but that's rooted to take my daughter and give me your land like yeah ugh. um with us it was like i paid for a good portion of it and then like our parents chipped in on both sides okay equal. um but yeah i mean and dan paid too i feel like everybody kind of chipped in but that's in a nice. perfect world if i did it again i'd just pay for it myself yeah i would imagine it, yeah a hundred percent i would yeah. have like made it cheaper that and way I you don't feel obligation to take everybody else's opinion yeah it's really like you owe them something yeah it's real. and i mean that's the thing is and i think that that was a difference between our two families like dan's family was like here's a chunk of change let us also like with this money we also have some say in this right and my family Mm. was like Mm. here's this money let us know if you need us we have no interest in helping you that's that's what my family would say yeah (laughs) and that so that was a big discussion where it was like yeah you know buying into the buying into the pot or whatever is that the saying it was Mm. yeah it feels like they were like buying stock like or a percentage in a company yeah Yeah. company yeah right so yes exactly and that that was really that was tricky because that's sort of like that's a big fundamental discussion of like what does this money mean yeah you know you're buying control over something that like technically like the bride is supposed to have more control over but also like why is that the tradition like yeah there are a lot of i know there are a lot of brides who are like they wish that their husband was more involved that just was not my case yeah and did you have all of the events typical events leading up to wedding like a bridal shower mm-hmm. and i didn't have a bridal shower but i had a bachelorette how was your bachelorette what did you do it was really fun we went to vegas and nice. we went to a strip club and then went to like a big dinner 
Um, the only thing is with Vegas, like I think if you can do stuff in your hotel, it makes things a lot easier. Or like the hotel across the street. Yeah. We had planned stuff at like the MGM Grand, which was like <laughs> so far from us. And so we were like clip clopping down the strip like for so long. And the strip is so much longer. Yeah. Than it's so looks. fucking hot out it's there. It's so hot. It's so everything is so far away. It looks really compacted, but it's like, no, like yeah. the MGM Grand. It, I was like, oh, it's just right over there. It was like a 45 yeah, minute you walk. Take a bridge across across the street it was so crazy yeah and then also you know we're in our 30s like when you start clip clopping for too long people just start to drop off i would look back and bridesmaids <laughs> we were just Brittany. gone yeah. they were gone they were, had gone back to the hotel and then the, if they were like roommates with someone else both of them would go oh so you'd god lose two at a time oh shit yeah yeah wrangle yeah. and it's so weird with bachelorettes when you get older because it's like it's the bride's friends but they're not all necessarily friends with one another right. so that's like this one girl from work two people from childhood and, and if then one you, person's a cunt the yeah. other people don't like her you gotta you gotta worry about that yeah it's, and i had a little bit of bridesmaid drama where one of my bridesmaids didn't want to stay at the hotel that we were in because there was an animal attraction at that hotel and she was like that's I don't morally feel right about that staying mm. in a hotel with uh, there were tiger, does tigers and tigers yeah, in the hotel uh, behind the hotel it's oh. the, the Siegfried <laughs> oh, okay. and or the Siegfried and Roy mm-hmm. tigers oh. um, and oh, I, okay. I explained I'm like it's an attraction just attached to the hotel it's not yeah. Yeah. You know, it's you're not, not supporting it. No, by they're not like here. walking around the lobby playing blackjack. Like, <laughs> right. You know, they're right. they're just they're there if you want to see them. <laughs> they're they're in a also, stroller being pushed. Yeah, exactly. They're not just like roaming free. Um. So yeah, but then she was like, I just don't feel right about. It. So she like stayed across the street, and then that was a whole thing. So we would have to like text to coordinate like if she was gonna come over, and then she would hang out at the hotel, but she wouldn't sleep there. And I was like, Why wouldn't you just sleep here if you're yeah. hanging out here? Yeah. It was just like yeah. a thing. Little tiny. Things. I call them. I call that the wrench. There's always like a wrench in a group hang. Yeah. There's no, always. there's never one per- there's always one person mm. who just can't go with the flow yeah there's like yep. i'm in groups i'm always i try not to be the wrench I'm i like, try whatever really hard. anyone wants let's just do it yeah. i don't care the only time i'm the wrench yeah. is when i'm really hungry I'm also a wrench when I'm hungry. Yeah, yeah. So, but you know, whatever. I'm, yeah. a, I'm, I try to. I'm the wrench in like real life, but usually I try to only do it when it's like affecting me. But like in groups, I'm like, I just, just can we get through this? With, I like, just no yeah. one fighting, exactly. No one complaining. Like, yeah, you're actually very please. good in groups because I really don't care. I can, fa- I can have fun ever anytime. And like, this is not like usually whatever we're doing is not gonna be the highlight of my fucking life anyway. <laughs> so I'm like, whatever. Just, just please, just don't complain. It like pierces my eardrums. Yeah, yeah. that's why. I mean, that's like I can't have kids because of that. Um, <laughs> I'm like, just it's it's whatever you want. Just please stop, stop complaining, talking loud. Um, Control your tone. <laughs> so we have to wrap up, up, up. But I want to like just talk real quick about like the difference between like pre-married life, married life. Well, you guys were living together before you we got were, married, right? Yeah, we were living in New York, and um, we actually shared an apartment with Dan's best friend. So like his best friend was in one room, and then we were in the other. It was like a very tight knit uh, hilarious yeah. sort of cozy I had that situation, situation for a while yeah yeah it's I look back on it very fondly I'm sometimes like, that I that was cute I would fight like no one's listening which was Same. probably it was very rude Same. to the roommate absolutely I, I feel so bad for any person who has to live with a couple uh, uh, it's, not fair. it's so hard yeah were you yeah. I, and did you become really close with Dan's best friend yes okay I love him yes we we were really tight luckily like I really got along with him so it never felt 
yeah. difficult. Um, and, and does it feel like you're playing house like in the first couple of years of marriage or did you feel like oh this is nothing has changed it felt like nothing had really changed that's good yeah it felt like nothing had really changed although everything feels like it's interesting because um when now like if dan and i argue i feel like we resolve it really quickly because it's like well we're locked in so we yeah. have to get over this yeah and you have to learn how to fight yeah, yeah. i was like we have to we have to just adjust yeah because we're not like we're in it like what are we you know we're not yeah. going anywhere so it's like <laughs> that's nice that's it is nice, nice. it is nice it really does like it kind of it does bond you a little bit to that next level i think a little yeah. bit it's it's not a, it's <laughs> just not, a tad yeah it's a tad because i mean we had lived together but i think if we hadn't lived together it would have been like a huge adjustment obviously yeah yeah, yeah you gotta wonder, you yeah. gotta make sure you can live together before right. you get married good god i mean wouldn't that be fun to find I've out i've heard i've heard of couples even recently doing that and i'm like you know you can live together first right like yeah just do it yeah yeah and yeah my one i was talking to my one comedy friend and he was telling me he's lived with a girl for the first time and they have two it's a two bedroom and sometimes like they sleep together in the same bed maybe up to five days a week and, and then they like he comes home late i'm like that's so good like getting yeah. that must be that's like a good plan to just have space yeah because you need to maintain your sense of individuality yes that's what i would be worried about yeah and i'm an only child so like i it's oh like, yeah only children are like yeah wait are you an only child Do no i just live like i am one no you mm-hmm. have a brother yeah yeah. yeah yeah um but i think that only children were like kind of caught in this place where we really need our space but we're also really lonely mm. so it's like it's this weird push pull where it's like i i need to i have to be alone get out but also like please come back soon yeah hug me cuddle me yeah later. so it's like it's always this push pull and it yeah it never it's it's weird to live with i can't imagine what dan deals with <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh thank you so much for uh coming on the podcast jamie thank you. thanks so for fun. having of me of course so we can see you on the new season of crashing yes. and then how about stand-up touring social yes. media Books. All that stuff. Oh yeah. yeah. Um well you can find tour dates. Um it's Jamie oh, what is my website? <laughs> Hold on. Oh, jamieleecomedy.com and then my Instagram is at really Jamie Lee and my Twitter is at the Jamie Lee. Perfect. Dope. Thank you so much. This has been guys we fucked the anti slut shaming podcast. We'll talk to you next Friday. Are you fine? Yes, sir. Remember, you were my girl.